Attention, people of Earth. What's going Attention, on there? people of Earth. Do not be alarmed. Stand by for an important message. Stand by for an important message. And now, Mike Check Radio with Adam Hebert. Oh, please let it be fantastic. Of course. Yes, yes, yes. It's rather good, isn't it? Hey, I'm just enjoying the show. Inconceivable! I can't take it anymore! There's no need for that attitude. Don't make me go to the larder and unseal a tin of whoop-ass. We came, we saw, we kicked it ass. How freaking cool is that shit? Great Scott! I reject the reality and substitute my own. Nice, right? I learned that one from you, guy. Bang it out. <laughs> we are going live. Yeah. Feel free to hang around for a while. Oh, God, this makes me happy. Live on all the Internet's webs and tubes, it's Mike Check Radio with Adam Hebert. Due to scheduling conflicts, the Mike Check Radio crew is taking this weekend off. Instead of their usual live show, they present the Best of Nerd Talk Volume 10 for your approval. I don't approve, but I am just a robot, so what do I know? Anyway, to start the program, here is an interview with comedian John Fugel saying, recorded January 20th, 2018. Beep beep. Live on Any Radio, streaming worldwide and podcasting who the fuck knows where, this is Mike Check Radio with Adam Hebert for Saturday, January 13th, 2018. We got to get going real quick because, well, we got company. But first, joining me as always out of the great city of Missoula, Montana, the king of Montana approaches with his war cats, Boots and Snowflake, John Kendall. Yay! Who is going to be on good behavior because he's been bribed with cookies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> also cookies up, make everything better <laughs> he should uh, they well, sure do he should know that manners <laughs> maketh man though <laughs> nice. it's the man it's the manner anyway <laughs> anywho uh, also joining us out of uh, blah, 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 Port St. Lucie Florida the rogue DM dungeon master mic check radio Michelle Legon that is me and painter of JF 121 yes Ooh. And also joining us out of Port St. Lucie, Florida, the GM Galaxy Master and official button pusher of Mike Check Radio, Miles Legon. Yes. Yes, hello. Happy to be here. And, uh, you know, get your buttons ready. <laughs> and finally, out of the great city of Clevesburg, Ohio, Mr. Kenny Pick, host of Turn with Kenny Pick, which you can hear every Tuesday and Friday uh, here. Yes, uh, and just call me uh, Mr. Telephone Operator tonight because I'm about to add uh, Mr. John Fugel saying into the program right now, everybody. So let's see, uh, let's see if it rings away and uh, we get the man himself <laughs> calling him in frigid New York City. Of course, John Fugel saying, "Are you there?" I please tell me what I need to know, and I'll call you back right away. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was voicemail. So anyway. Um, we'll that means he's got a landline. No, that was a- this is ha- this happens like every time I add called Fugel saying for a show. So it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. So, um, but go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, uh, w- w- don't forget that tonight we're gonna have open lines for uh, shithead of the year, except for the first segment. 
please do not call in while yeah. John is on. Please. It's not that we don't want to hear from you. It's just <laughs> I'm already nervous <laughs> enough. So, yeah. um, All right. I'm going to give him a quick try back here and see if he picks up the phone. So uh, he might not have been expecting us to call as early as we did, but we'll find out. So uh, he might have been expecting more of the 705 kind of thing. Yeah. Well, well that's the standard radio. Yep. Yeah. But, Hello. Uh, John Fugle saying, this is, hi, how are you, buddy? This is Kenny Pick, uh, running the boards for Mike Check Radio. Kenny Pick, it's a pleasure to hear you. How you doing? Happy New Year. I'm doing well. Happy New Year to you uh, as well, my friend. And I just want to let you know that you are live on air uh, with our host, Adam Hebert, uh, co-hosts uh, Miles and Michelle in Port St. Lucie, Florida, and, of course, the king of Montana, John Arthur Kendall. Uh, so, But uh, without further ado... Adam Hebert, it's your show. Uh, say hi to our good friend John Fugelsang. <laughs> hi, John. I, I had no idea I was already live. Hi, I had no idea I was already live. I was all set to tell Ken extensive details of my uh, various drug addictions. So this is a pleasure. Welcome. Happy New Year. <laughs> now we can do that on Facebook. <laughs> oh, that's true. That is true. But no, uh, thank you for taking time out of your day because you've got your own sh- sh- you know, show to, to deal with Monday through Friday. So I do appreciate it. Um, it's a real so- pleasure. Thank you. I'm told that you've been to see The Last Jedi at least twice. Uh, so, if I, if I might ask, what were your general <laughs> what were your general opinions of it? Uh, sure, uh, sure. Uh, um, uh, good to know we're trying to drive away viewers early. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> well, I saw it two times in the first 24 hours. I went opening night uh, with my wife and my ex, and uh, the next morning, my ex and I took my five-year-old. Uh, we're going to take my five-year-old. <laughs> Before we realized, uh, not really a movie for a five-year-old, so we brought Frank Conniff uh, from Mystery Science Theater instead as, uh, as our child. And uh, the first time I saw it, uh, I understand all of the crestfallen true geek fans who uh, were very disappointed at a number of things. And then I saw it again a second time in 24 hours, and the second time I loved it. And I got everything the director was trying to do. Uh, there's certain choices they made that I take issue with, but... It's an incredibly bold piece of filmmaking, and I think we forget that Empire Strikes Back was considered a great disappointment by a lot of Star Wars fans when it first mm-hmm. came out, and it took a couple of decades for people to realize that was the masterpiece, and that might be the case here as well. Exactly. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah. Well, you're, um, I asked, Mar- I asked I, you know, Mark Hamill, I mean, he's been very public about his issues with the character, and uh, yes. I did an event with Mark, he's a pal, and, you know, he just had, had, this was right before the movie opened, and he just had nothing but raves about Ryan Johnson's work said he never even curses on set. And uh, and obviously Mark's uh, process of adjusting to this has been well-documented. But um, I, I don't know. What did you guys think? I can't wait to see it a third time. Um, well, um, Adam, Adam, it's your show. Why don't you go, why don't you go first on your initial thoughts? Well, yes. I will say that, I, you know, your thoughts are very close to my own. Um, I haven't seen more. I saw, I saw it opening night as well. Well, the Thursday night previews, and I really enjoyed it. it. It made some decisions that I disagree with personally, but I see where they, what the plan was. I just don't see what the plan is in light of Carrie Fisher passing away. And of course, you know, that that was just tragic. But. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, we don't want to reveal too much, but that very, very, very final um, exit of a certain character uh, felt kind of tacked on, did not feel necessary to the plot, uh, much in the way the whole detour to the um, 
the Space Casino and then the Star Destroyer with Benicio Del Toro, lots of fun moments, but did not actually advance the plot at all. And I think the choice they made with that one character who pulls off an amazing feat in the end and then sort of makes an exit, uh, the exit part didn't have to happen, especially in light of the loss of Carrie Fisher. But I think they would have redone that if they they didn't know what they were going to do with Episode 9. Yeah. 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 Good point. Also, I know, keep in I, I mind when, Col- when Colin when when Colin Trevorrow was still the director of Episode Nine, they actually shot some scenes for it during Ryan Johnson's shooting for Episode Eight. So mm-hmm. part of Episode Nine has already been shot by a different director than the one whose name will ultimately be on the film. However, Kathleen Kennedy has said that Leia will not appear in the next movie. Yeah. I think it's a pretty safe bet that Leia and Luke will appear as Force ghosts uh, at the uh, in the movie, but we'll see. We shall see. Uh, uh, now, uh, John, I, I got to say, you know, I, I, my, I had a lot of personal favorite moments in the movie, uh, and and I'm I'm pretty much on board with you and Adam about my initial thoughts, but I just want to say this: Luke Skywalker drinking green green milk like a boss was uh, the highlight for me. Uh, but <laughs> you know, I agree. I know there's there's a, there's a number of like performances this year that are award mm-hmm. show consideration. Um, I think uh, uh, Cynthia Nixon in a a, um, a movie about a uh, about a, uh, oh god the poet um, Am- Emily Dickinson was amazing. I think uh, Robin Wright in Wonder Woman. I think Patrick Stewart in Logan was one of the best performances of the year. And I think Mark Hamill in this movie is the sort of thing that you uh, really want to give award nominations to. But these are all performances that studios aren't really pushing. Unfortunately, it's yeah. the best acting Mark's ever done. And um, you know what I love about Hamill the most is that he's somebody who became an even better actor after he became a movie star. And it's so lovely to see uh, this wonderful guy um, becoming a movie star again at age 65. He is amazing. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, and I got to say, a uh, couple super fans uh, of Star Wars and of John Fugel saying, uh, Miles and Michelle in, in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Um, well, Michelle, um, you, you introduced yourself tonight on the show as the painter of something. Yes, of JF-121. <laughs> yes. And I love it. Oh, good, good. Um, yeah, um, my my thoughts on the movie are, are pretty similar. I did find the chase scene between the destroyers and the rebel fleet a little long, and uh, it's kinda okay. Kind of felt like kind of last yeah. It's okay for spoilers because we have been um, promoting this as a spoiler show. So spoiler if you have prolific. to say anything, it's not that bad. Our audience has been warned. <laughs> But I did want to ask, okay, what do you good, think no. of Porgs? <laughs> uh, delight, delightful. I mean, they had oh. something in there to merchandise for the little kids, and uh, I and I think that. the Porgs were wonderful, and they hit the, they they managed to have something they can sell a lot of toys of, but they didn't abuse it. They never crossed the cute line with the Porgs, and um, they kept it funny and entertaining, and. Uh, they never gave us too much porgs. No one got sick of the porgs. People were sick of the Ewoks before Jedi was over. So I think uh, you know, it was a very judicious use of uh, humor in porgs. Yeah, I the best the por- thing about the the best thing about the porgs, John, is they're they're uh, good for a, a midichlorian rich diet. Uh, but Miles, what were you going to say? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was going to say the porgs were really to me seemed like a, an excuse to give uh, Chewbacca more more fil- screen time. Yes. Uh, just well, to, you, know, you know, if you really want to geek, yeah, if you really want to geek out on this, I mean, I think that um, Chewbacca is the uh, the one character that has been most slighted in these films since Return of the Jedi. Um, I mean, Return of the Jedi. Yeah. My problems always, but Han, Leia, Chewbacca, Lando all become really one dimensional. 
having Chewbacca do a Tarzan yell was cheap in Jedi, and it was a oh. cheap retread in Revenge of the Sith. Um, cutting out this Chewbacca scene where he rips off the guy, uh, Unkerplut's arm in uh, Episode 7, um, really took away something that we've always heard Wookiees do and never got to see Wookiees do in any of the movies. And uh, also, the, as you guys know, the glaring uh, mistake of Episode 7 is that after Chewie dies, um, Leia, I mean, after Han dies, Leia and Chewie uh, never acknowledge each other. Leia just goes straight over to say hello to Ray yeah. for the first time. So, uh, you know, I read a great theory that um, they're advancing, that, like this one fan theory, that maybe Chewbacca has been a, uh, a galactic spy all along. Mm. And by, because he was, a, clearly he's a military officer, if you believe episode three, yes. right? So mm-hmm. uh, what was the reason he went from being military, fighting alongside Yoda, to the underworld and working with a smuggler? And if he's a spy who's trying to of you know the empire and crime and what's going on in the galaxy it makes a lot of sense and the theory goes so far as to say that's the reason chewbacca refuses a new hope and only had him and luke get them uh and again you know they have such a great character they've done so little with him um i really really hope that uh he becomes more than ray's pet in the in the episode nine mm, yeah well i agree with that absolutely yeah, oh, yeah. i'm See, these are I'm the thoughts one, that really, really guarantee me no second dates. Uh, well, I'm one of the rare things in geekdom. You know, back in my day, girl geeks like me, nerds, we were very rare. We, you know, we you, weren't supposed to like star- sci-fi and fantasy and all that. We were supposed to be playing with Barbies and, you know, because I'm hitting my 50th year this year. So, you know, Congratulations. But I, Happy birthday. Yeah, I am a, I am a, I am a gamer, gamer geek from the get-go. And I love Star Wars, nice. so you know I I I'm you know I'm one of those rare birds too. So don't don't ever think yeah, that I can't tell you <laughs> I can't tell you how fun it is to come on a show and not and, and talk about this stuff instead of you know how the entire world's on fire, which is normally ah, what I do. That's true. I mean, I, I really did. I loved Eight. I can't wait to see it again. I love that Luke Skywalker explained the entire plot of the prequels in one sentence to Ray, so you don't have to see it. <laughs> I'm not yeah. going to watch it if you don't want to. <laughs> what Thank I love... for that, Mark. Uh, yeah. in, uh, in, in the... Um, I think it was in 3. I think it was a line from uh, the, the, the... Jimmy Smith's character, the um, Senator... Organa. Uh, Organa. Yeah. Organa. yeah. And, yeah. and it was when Palpatine was taking control... And he was his his line was this is how republics die not with explosions and gunfire but with thunderous applause or something like that. No, when, that was um, when all, Padme's yeah. line. But she okay. was talking. Oh, oh, Padme? She was talking. Okay. She was talking to Bail Organa. Okay. Yeah. But uh, the 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 point was that this that was a very cogent that was a very deep thing about that movie telling the story about this is how civilizations die from the inside. And it, it, it feels so... Oh. Apropos. Now, about, yes, about this movie. Uh, what my favorite thing... Thank you. Uh, my favorite thing is in the scenes with uh, Benicio Del Toro in, uh, in, on the ship, and he's talking and he's explaining to Ray about... Um, the, the it's about the weapons. It's about the people that make the weapons and sell them, and they're selling to both sides. And how it just propagates the war, and these people are benefiting. It's and everybody else is getting caught in between. And that is something you know. When when Eisenhower warned us about the industrial war machine, and uh, I, I think Star Wars has some very interesting, powerful social comments to make 
and and those are that is my favorite thing about this movie. I mean, uh, besides, of course, the misogynists and the racists all be crying about the the, the leads being people they hate. But anyway, right? You well, Ryan Johnson has said. Trooper. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan Johnson has said he's a fan of the prequels, and that certainly is a nod to the prequels, because for many folks, the political subplots were their favorite part of those films and the most interesting parts. Um, I, I agree that the, the Benicio dialogue is great. doesn't advance the plot, but it does bring all that political shading and, uh, and really helps. To, it's one of the reasons why the film feels so much more grown up than other Star Wars movies, but uh, I'd be lying if I said I, I hadn't hoped it was Billy D. Williams as Lando Calrissian in that jail cell they met, who was the uh, the guy who I helped know. him escape. Understood, yeah. 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 And actually, I do have that line that Miles was mentioning. Here, here it is. So this is how liberty dies. With thunderous applause. Yep. So there you go. Wow, I can hear the CGI right through my phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Zing! <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, well, you know, this is this is great uh, because all the men's rights activists, uh, they're now the nerds of present day because all of us nerds couldn't get girls. And now all us nerds can get girls. And the men's rights activists are the ones that will never see a woman who sees eye to eye with them. <laughs> so this is good. <laughs> Progress. Yeah, you know, men's rights activists make me ashamed to be uh, an insecure narcissist. I got to be honest. Um, it was really, <laughs really a cool gig until those it. guys came around. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> well, because I, I women, women getting women, women getting equality means men are losing something. I don't know if you realize that. No, we're just uh, yeah, getting it I back. Know, uh... <laughs> we, you know, they took it away from us at the beginning, and now we're just getting it back. Yeah, it's like you two. It's like you two covering Helter Skelter. Uh, this is I, a song I, that <laughs> this is a song that Manson stole from the Beatles and we're stealing it back. Rattle and hum, folks. Go ahead. Yep. <laughs> I, I was just going to say I couldn't be happier with uh, stealing the girl I got. I mean, she, I I stalked her right up until the point she asked me to marry her. So oh, yeah. there you go. <laughs> it was a criminal engagement. Yes. Uh, so, well, the, the women need to date more geeks. I said, women need to date more nerds. I say this all the time. Ladies, your bodies are sophisticated computers. Who do you want to trust your computer to? Uh, the dude from the gym who's so worked out he can't even touch his own genitals? Or uh, the guy from IT who knows what buttons to push? If you <laughs> want to get your freak on, you got to get your geek on. Yes, Brilliant. definitely. There you go. Now, Adam, didn't you have a couple other questions uh, regarding the, the movie? Well, I I do have a question in, in in about Star Wars in general, and that is, uh, what do you think is it, why do you think it's so beloved? Because I think a lot of it is it's basically a modern myth, which makes it a you know I mean people when people think of myth they think of you know Zeus and a toga unable to keep it you know unable to to you know not sleep with anything that moves, um, but. The building blocks of a myth are in there. So, I mean, is that part of its staying power, or do you think it's something else? Oh, I think that's absolutely the core of it. And Joseph Campbell said it much more eloquently than me. But, you know, the same exact plot takes place at the beginning of all three trilogies. Um, this young person who lives on a desolate desert world with uh, an inexplicable um, genius for technology winds up going on an intergalactic adventure, leaving their world, desert world for the first time and following a charismatic older authority figure who takes them on an adventure where they discover they really are special. It's the same plot in all three 
entrances to all three trilogies. Um, and again, the power of myth has been well established. But I do think another reason is that for a whole generation of uh, of young people raised on a religion, Star Wars was the first time that that religion kind of made sense or the notion of a religion kind of made sense because I do think Star Wars became a faith, uh, a devotion for uh, a whole generation, more than one generation of young boys and girls and men and women. Um, in many ways, I've always thought that the, uh, well, when Yoda says luminous beings are we, not this crude matter, when I was a little kid, that defined the soul for me better than anything I ever read in the Bible, the concept of a soul. And I think there's a lot of parallels between um, God and Jesus and the uh, the Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker paradigm. I mean, the father's a lot more powerful, but the son's not really that much of a dick. <laughs> the son doesn't have that. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, it's almost like uh, uh, the the force kind of uh, uh, it almost reminds me of like you know uh, what Sikhism and, and gurus and things like that, where you know it's like and we're all part of the same big thing, but you know yeah, we're not well, the ocean. We're just we're telling us. Yeah, we're we're well, we're not the uh, you know we're not the whole ocean, but we are a drop in it. Um, so. And, you know, uh, these, but, this uh, whole movie, I mean, one of the reasons I think that this movie is going to resonate with so many people over the years to come is that he really made a movie about the difference between religion and faith. And more mm-hmm. or less saying, even if the religion dies, it doesn't mean the truth of the faith or the belief dies. And that's yeah. a pretty powerful thing. The tenets of all the great world religions will still be true, even if the um, selfishness and greed and stupidity of fundamentalist members of each religion wind up taking the religions out. The, the eternal truths that are contained, the wisdoms contained, will still be there. All right, now, and John, I have a, a question. God, he, if, there is a God, oh, he, if there is a God, he or she will still be there long after all the unauthorized fan clubs go out of style. Mm-hmm. Yes. See, there you go. And, John, I, I have a quick question. So what the hell did you think I was talking about when I asked you uh, last year what if you could have a lightsaber, what color would you want? <laughs> uh, I had no idea what you were asking me that for, but at this point, my life is kind of so crazy, I just roll with it. It's a, it's a, You were part of the, the ongoing Fellini film that has been the last year of my life. So, wow. uh, But it was a tough question. <laughs> I had to think about it because, like, the what's, what color lightsaber? Well, the only ones they haven't we haven't seen are – black brown yellow and orange i think so um there has been a like black the most, uh, there, yeah there is a black one in one of the animated shows it yeah, was uh, rebels like oh in clone wars but, or rebels yeah yeah but uh but yeah orange was that was a great color that was a great color and it was so funny because we were doing this show when i was asking you and you know because we kind of revealed what miles and michelle were working on and I th- and 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 I said, well, let me message John. I said, I, you know, I'll message him and I'll see what he says. And I we actually had the answer before the show was over. So thank you for doing that. And I'd like to pass it to oh, Miles. Now, thank you. Who, who it's had- beautiful. My 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 five year old thinks it's so cool, and I and I, I love it. And I got to say, um, I'm I'm leaving now to go do another stand up show about Trump's first year, and it really is a delight to actually do a broadcast and talk about something we all care about that makes us happy. Um, And again, it's amazing how much it dovetails into, you know, the concept of a resistance from J.J. Abrams' film to Ryan Johnson's film has really evolved for all of us. And uh, it's going to be interesting seeing what comes. But I think this film 
is going to be a lot like Blade Runner and Empire Strikes Back, where years... Uh, also, I think the Blade Runner sequel follows the same trend. Oh, it's a flop, it's a flop, it's a flop, these idiots say. Well, you know, look, that's exactly what happened with Blade Runner, and it took a few decades for people to realize it was a masterpiece. Um, Empire less so, but Empire was considered a disappointment by many. And, uh, and, and you know, only opened... Uh, it didn't open wide after until it had been out for a few weeks. Right. So... I do think that, uh, that you know, both of these films, um, the most challenging, and by the way, Blade Runner was an even more challenging sequel in many ways than Force Awakens, because the whole message of Blade Runner is, uh, you're not special. And um, <laughs> so, you know, they're both, they're both films had very, very tough emotional pills to swallow, but I think that's what makes them interesting pieces of art and why uh, we'll still be talking about them and debating them years from now. Well, uh, now... now I, I want to pivot real quick to uh, Miles. I, we'll do lightning round with John here because he has it, he is doing a show tonight. So oh, uh, oh yeah, quick, I got to run. Right, my yeah. call time. Run, so. run. Uh, yeah. I, I just wanted to give you um, real quick uh, the lightsaber in the diorama we gave you. I handcrafted that out of a toothpick or f- a food pick fork thing for our hors d'oeuvres <laughs> during. Hurricane Irma when it was passing by our house down here in Florida. (laughs) I spent the day making it then, and uh, it it was Uh, our pleasure making it for you. Your your kindness is exceeded only by your talent, and I wish I could repay you. Thank you. Oh, no, no. No. No, no repayment necessary. (laughs) All right, everybody, say goodbye to John. We we got to cut him loose so we can get to the stage. Well, John, thank you thank so you. much. Yes, I have to go back to I got to go back to my life of uh, making fun of pop culture for TV in the morning, making fun of politics for uh, radio in the afternoon, and then going out at night and um, having drunks make fun of me in clubs. So, thank you very and, much, guys. Really <laughs> a pleasure. Happy well, New Year, everybody. Anytime you want to do nerd and talk, happy New Year. you're always welcome. Please. Here, John. Whenever you Please. want me. All right. Anytime okay. you let me All back, right. I'll, I'm there for you. you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Night, John. Have a good night, John. Thank you very much. So, All right. He's off. There we go. It worked. Anybody yeah, else have yes. yeah. I do. Yes. <laughs> I think we made a friend, Kenny. I think I made a new John friend. John Kendall. John Kendall. What did you think? Was that terrible? Uh, anything to do with Star Wars is objectively terrible. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, can I go back to pushing buttons, now. Michelle? Yes, sir. You are. You have earned the cookies, John. Yes, you have. <laughs> but well, no, those I... that aren't defective, I get those. <laughs> you lucky bastard! All right, yeah. you, you, you guys want to? You guys want to take an early break so we can bask in that and process yes. it? And, uh, and yes. oh, that would be amazing. Yes, yes, we'll take an yeah. early break. But no, so. that was a lot of fun. And like I said, uh, he's he. I guess he enjoyed himself enough to want to come back. You know. Uh, who wants, yes. to volunteer, who wants to volunteer to see if there's any anime series he's, he, he likes? Because I probably... <laughs> <laughs> Let's give him oh. a few months. He's a very busy man. Uh, I didn't say right now. I'm just saying... Definitely, definitely yeah. going to do that. So, all right. Take it away, Mr. He. You're listening to Mike Check Radio with Adam Heber. We insist on accuracy. Be sure you make yourself look like a complete ass. Check Radio with Adam Heber on Indie Media Weekly Radio.
this is Adam Hebert of Mike Check Radio and Midnight Sun, and you're listening to Indie Media Weekly Radio. What? I said you're listening to Indie Media Weekly Radio. Extraterrestrial Radio, all the power without the tower. Stay with me and experience the glory of Plaid Sundays, two gigantic hours of grunge running from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern, here on Indie Media Weekly. Whether it's the distorted guitars or the emotive lyricism, few can deny the lasting influence of a genre that dressed down a generation. So turn it on and get inspired. It works for me, and I know that I'm not the only one. Plaid Sundays, only on Indie Media Weekly. Extraterrestrial Radio. All the power without the tower. Ciao. Yeehaw! Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Come on down to Southern Progressive Revival to hear the best and worst of Southern politics once again. We've got all brand new 2016 episodes for the low, low price of 100% free and tons of extras, including guests, rants, and flustered hosts and co-hosts. Think your credit ain't good enough? We don't care. Think you don't have nothing to hear since you ain't from the South? Well, that ain't right. You reckon that Yankee pick feller's got more class than us? Well, that might be true. But let's do this. Come listen to Southern Progressive Revival live every Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Indie Media Weekly, Extraterrestrial Radio, all the power without the tower. Come now and we'll throw in a free pine tree air freshener. Wow. Indie Media Weekly Radio is proud to bring you the Thomas Jefferson Hour, a radio program that models civil discourse, critical thinking, and good citizenship. Join nationally acclaimed humanity scholar and award-winning first-person interpreter of Thomas Jefferson, Clay Jenkinson, for the Thomas Jefferson Hour, Tuesdays at 10 a.m., Sundays at 4 p.m. The Thomas Jefferson Hour on Indie Media Weekly Radio. Visit them at jeffersonhour.com. You're listening to Mike Check Radio with Adam Hebert. Oh, well, he's very popular, Ed. The sportos, the motorheads, geeks, sluts, bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, dickheads. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. Mike Check Radio with Adam Hebert at Indie Media Weekly Radio. Attention, people of Earth. What's going Attention, on there? people of Earth. Do not be alarmed. Stand by for an important message. Stand by for an important message. And now, Mike Check Radio with Adam Hebert. Oh, please let it be fantastic. Of course. Yes, yes, yes. It's rather good, isn't it? Hey, I'm just enjoying the show. Inconceivable! I can't take it anymore! There's no need for that attitude. Don't make me go to the larder and unseal a tin whoop-ass. We came, we saw, we kicked it ass. How freaking cool is that shit? Great Scott! I reject your reality and substitute my own. Nice, right? I learned that one from you, guy. Bang it out. <laughs> we are going live. Yeah. Feel free to hang around for a while. Oh, God, this makes me happy.
Let's get to uh, the interview. As soon as I find, where is number? Where's number? Oh, number one. All right, here we go. Uh, I probably should. I probably could have edited this a bit more. But anyway, thanks for this, Kenny. Here is cut one. First of all, I want to say thank you both for uh, joining me tonight. Uh, it's kind of late. I was actually kind of surprised. It was like seven o'clock. It is tonight. Is yeah. there is there a seven o'clock? <laughs> you know, for news. But uh, I do appreciate it, and uh, I'm sure my listeners will. I'm sitting here tonight with Michael Sinternicklaus. How dare you? No, you got it right. It's fine. I don't know any. I don't know any French. I'm sorry. I know it's a French surname. No, it's actually Dutch. Dad. It is Dutch for. Uh, Santa Claus. Yes. Literally, Saint Nick, right? Right. Saint, uh, yeah. I they invented Santa Claus. That's right. He wasn't originally German. Silly me. And uh, Stephanie Shea. Yeah. I did get that right, too, right? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> which is Dutch for nothing. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, which is what you're about to become. No. I'm <laughs> but, um, and uh, I'm going to try and do my best. I had never done two people at one time, but, you know, uh, Whoa. there's, Whoa. there's, you know. What kind of show okay. is this? Okay. <laughs> I'm not, no, uh, but anyway, uh, Stephanie Shea, you, uh, I made some notes. Uh, notable roles include uh, Usagi Skino, Sailor Moon, which is probably the big one. For, yeah, you know, the, for anime fans. Well, yeah, and it's it's basically kind of the founding mother of the modern anime scene in America, I would think. Uh, you know, I guess so. You, but, uh, I mean, there's a lot of, there's, you know, look at, like, for me, like, Robotech and, like, Voltron. Voltron. Uh, sure, sure, know. but does that pink lion lady or the queen girl <laughs> is that like usagi no i mean there's like a lot there was i don't kind of like founding because there's like other things that came before it well that's true but uh and uh let's see here um Areka from Areka 7 which i highly enjoyed yeah um and uh Ilya eisenberg from uh um, in, Stay in, 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 fill in the blank yes <laughs> uh who for a little girl, is kind of on the creepy side sometimes. She's I was super say, creepy. And this one is personal to me. Oh. Uh, Lisa Silverman in Persona to Innocent Sin, because that was the first Jap- game in Japanese that I played before I knew Japanese. Oh. So I kind of stumbled my way through, and I actually won. But and uh, as for as for Michael, uh, Noble Rolls, uh, I should I probably should made the font a bit bigger. <laughs> no. But uh, of course, Dean Venture, uh, probably your most famous one. Um, Hikura in Kakarembu, which I really enjoy. It's oh, a great Halloween. Well. It's a great Halloween uh, themed uh, movie, and I think I've reviewed it for um, Mike Check Radio. But it's been a long time if I have, so I may have to revisit it. Uh, Kenji in Summer Wars, and I really enjoy this one. Eugenie Olgen, Bravely, Bravely, Bravely Second. For the he, gravy. Yes. I'm a huge RPG nut, as well as implied by Persona 2 Innocent Sin. So, like I said, some of the questions, I, it was hard to come up with personalized questions because I usually try to, you know, tailor some to specific people, the specific person. But um, anyway, um, for these, you know, feel free to chime in however you like. We'll interrupt uh, each other. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's just like real life. It's happening right now. Shut up. What are you saying? Blah, blah, Why would you blah, say blah, that? I'm, blah, I'm talking. Blah, blah. Oh, and of course, I forgot to mention the, the, the biggest one because I think, uh, I think they had. Uh, a showing of it. Your Care name. Bears. Your name. Oh, darn it. <laughs> I had it. <laughs> Your name. Uh, which Is there a release date for that, you know, for home? Or, yes. yes. I just heard is? November 7th. Oh, okay. All right. That's what it, I just heard. Wait, but didn't somebody already have it? No, okay. That so was I've, the I've UK signed, I've autographed two of them, but they're the Japanese ones. Oh, they're the Japanese And uh, they come with, I didn't realize this until the second one. I would have checked out the first one. They come with a little film strip from the movie. Mm. And the one that I saw today was Taki, well, Mitsuha as Taki, discovering that she's a boy. Uh, the scene of, ah, when he does that with his hands. Yeah. Boops. 
No, it's the it's the other version. Oh, pee pee. Uh, yeah, pee pee. But uh, I have not had a chance to see it. I'm afraid. Uh, but I, I'm I'm glad it's coming out soon because I have been wanting to. Um, I tr- I would have tried to go to the showing tonight, but. Um, we made the mistake of coming to the convention with a toddler, <laughs> my nephew Kai, who I love to death, Kai. Uh, but uh, so I wasn't able to make it. But that's okay. Um, so one of the uh, bigger questions that I've had people ask, uh, Ken. Oh, and some like I said, some of these are from our listeners. Ken Columbus asks, uh, "Do you share uh, a personal connection to any cer- any specific roles you've done?" A personal connect, like you know, relate to. Is, or, or you know, is there one that has more? Me- you know, I don't want to say favorite because everyone says that's like asking me to choose my favorite child. I think like all of the roles, you have to find something that's like personal. Sure, yeah, that's true. Uh, otherwise, you're lying. Like, uh, like uh, I know, like for Hinata, like I grew up really, really shy, so that is how I connected to that character. Um, I'm trying to think some other one. Which ones. is part of what I connected to for Kenji in Summer Wars, actually. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, in Furikuri, Mamimi has, was bullied, and I was, I mean, not super bullied, but like a little bit bullied. Um, and yeah, and I also, that's like one of the first things I worked on, so. They all have some kind of connection. That's right. You were in Furikuri. I, I remember, you know, it, it's one of those things that, you know, you, you see, but you don't, you know, the wheels don't mesh, you know, or the gears don't turn. Um, uh, what about you, Michael, if I may ask? Yeah, so certainly uh, Kenji. It's funny. Uh, okay, you mentioned before Dean Venture. I grew up a little awkward, shy, always the new kid, kind of picked on. So all that um, self-effacing and uh, shy stuff in Dean, I totally relate to. Um, to an alarming degree, other than being a clone. Um, so yeah, there's there was a lot of Dean. There was a lot of me and Dean, uh, and someone told me there was a review of it where, as the seasons went on and it became more and more and more heightened, and all the characters became more and more like characters, uh, that Dean increasingly was the the sort of human point of entry into the show because everyone was so extreme, and Dean was still like kind of a human being. I think that has to do with um, me being. Like relating all that stuff to Dean, so I'm not like putting on a. I mean, I'm putting on a voice, but I'm not sort of putting on a character. I actually relate to all that right. awkward stuff, and when he likes Triana, he can't say anything about it, and yeah, it's sort of like because I've done you know um, a long time ago, cha- uh, changing role, you know, role, you know, the changeling role playing game, and what I do when I make a character for those sorts of stuff is I kind of put a, at least a small portion of myself in, so I kind of see what you're saying. I think that's the way to play. I, I liked doing that when I played RPGs, and I, I mean, well, actual like role playing games, not right games. And uh, I, I want to do it again. Actually, it's so much fun. There we go. So <laughs> Michael Sinter Nicholas wants to uh, uh, maybe you know uh, he wants to do a role playing game, guys. <laughs> you happen to know somebody. <laughs> and I happen to have very two very capable people who know what they're doing with that stuff. Hmm. We got to get our game started first, though. I c- yes. I could hear the gears turning. I would like and, yeah and to promptly get grinding to a halt for me. We... I'm sorry, Miles. Yeah, the, uh... I was just going to say we, we would like to get some some games under our belt, you know, with the. Uh, 
uh, as practice before we invite uh, um, effectively a complete stranger into it, and he just goes, "Man, this sucks." I, you know, yeah, I know. I don't blame you. Our way along. No, I I don't blame you. That's a good idea, but I couldn't resist pointing really... that out, pointing that oh, out. Oh no, no, I hear you. Yeah. yeah, that was really cool hearing him talk about Dean Venture like that because I'm I'm a big Venture Brothers fan, so that was really cool. Mm. Uh, John, cool. any thoughts? Uh, did I have to find my mute button? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I... I thought it was a good interview. I mean... Well, we've um, got more to go. It's not over yet, yeah. buddy. So, yeah, One I... wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I completely forgot that Stephanie Shea had been in, in Footy Curry because that that was really early in her career. I mean, that was the, that was even before Eureka 7, which, as I recall, is what, you know, was pretty much her first major role. Um, so, yeah, I forgot about that because um, Mamini, Mamini is uh, actually pretty close to her regular voice. Um, so. Oh, OK. But uh, yeah. Uh, any thoughts, Kenny? Yeah. Uh, uh, no, I, I found it kind of interesting, um, just, you know, the, the, the dynamic they have together. Because I, when you, well, I don't want to spoil anything um, for later on in the interview, but it, it looks like they're, they're like a, a major team. Uh, I would have liked to, to find out a little bit more because it looks like they've been, like, pushing for projects together like to to you know spearhead certain projects because again um uh uh Sinner Niklaus is a is a director yes so i think that they're they're working together I, I would love to to find out more about that process of how they go about picking a project you know if i if i would have known a little bit more about them before you went i would love to find out more about how they go about picking the projects that he directs and then how he goes forward with you know the 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 voice team work that they do uh, collaborative it's, 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 synergy yeah i mean they're really they're really you know i i because while i was doing editing this i i was curious you know well of course you hear a voice artist and it's like what do they look like and um and also i found some pictures online of them uh uh they they provide both of them provided photographs of uh like an early same-sex uh wedding in uh in california so in in i i so it was, it was for for like a news article so it looks like they're probably uh pretty strong proponents of uh marriage equality and whatnot so that i found that to be cool too well and i didn't want to delve too deeply into politics like brina palencia was kind of an exception of course because she, you know she you know she asked what you know I, and i told you know she's she says y you said you do politics i've got a sign i can send you and i was like okay yeah we'll play we'll definitely run mm -hmm. it so, you know so that you nice. know, I, I I was I try to avoid being overtly political. Now, if they ever oh yeah, you know, of course, if they ever say hey, you know, we we'll come on live, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll you know, maybe we'll massage a little bit because I'm pretty sure one thing I've noticed following voice actors on Twitter because I follow like all all the major ones like Stephen J. Mm. Bloom, the man's you know he's yeah. in the freaking Guinness Book of World Records, and he is from what I can tell you know a, a you know he's always going railing against Trump. Well, uh, you know, uh, but you know, but but more more so though. I mean, really, I, I highly recommend everybody Google the 
the, some other interviews with them about the again this this you know they they're really kind of like almost kind of like their own little voiceover studio you know uh, for you know and and, and, and I don't want to spoil too much cuz Adam had a question later about um them working together so um but yeah we probably play one more before the break though yeah sure let's do this let's do this number uh cut 2 uh, what sort of advice would you uh, either of you two have to offer for someone who might want to look into uh, breaking into voice acting? Be an actor. Be an actor. Be an actor. Be an actor. That's the main thing. Because anybody can change up their voice a little bit, but like if you don't have the acting ability, then oof. and be professional. Treat it like any other job that you would go to train for. You know. That's a really good point. There are, there are more and more people who've come not from the industry but from fandom into the industry. And I think one of the things that's sort of a deal breaker for a lot of directors that I talk to when they're asked, because I'm sort of like old in the industry now, mm-hmm. but I also direct. So I've heard a lot of directors say like, oh, can this person be trusted? Or, you know, I hired these people from sort of this, this group of fans that sort of got into the industry and, you know, some of them wouldn't show up or they had issues with stuff or they treat it like fandom instead of a job. And the thing is, Unless you're doing your own, where you have all the control, or you've got a YouTube channel and you're making your own stuff, or you're making your own fan parodies or whatever, if you're working for someone else, like at some point, someone is depending, their paycheck depends on what you do. Right. So you have to be professional, and that's, I think, something that can get overlooked when you're doing something really fun. It's it's one thing to to enjoy what you do, but you st- you know because that helps keep you going. But you still have it's it takes commitment, is basically. Um, yeah, and all the people that like work the most that, that that we have the pleasure of working with, they're they're still really humble, they're really professional, and they still really have fun. And that's the thing, you know. Do we make money doing this show? Hell no. Yeah, no. <laughs> Tons. Tons. <laughs> yeah, that's Uh-oh. true. Kenny's holding out on us. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we enjoy, it. and I do treat you know, I do treat this as a professional venture, you know. If I if I make a nickel from this show one day, I'll be happy. Well, I'm happy now, of course. Do you, but... per, do you treat it as a professional Dean venture? Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, but um, shh. but uh, no, I mean, I, I get what they're saying. That's why I kind of started. You know, I I I was you know I was listening. I was wrapping my you know, and like I said, it's one thing to enjoy what you do for a living. But you still have it yeah. takes. It's a commitment. It's a professional commitment, and that's why I tell you know. Like I said, when they started trying to say, you know, you gotta start working Saturday nights, son, or else. I said, you know, this is a professional commitment, one that I've maintained for almost six years. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm willing to bend a little and compromise where where I can, but, you know, I'm not. I'm sorry, I'm not giving up my radio show for this company. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I, at least and I, I get what you're saying about their dynamic. They they clearly have worked together a lot, and I honestly, like I said, one of the things I really, I I, I wouldn't say it's a regret, but I really wish I'd gotten a, a half hour, because I asked for 15 minutes with each mm. of them. With each of them, if I known that they were going to be yeah. paired together, I would have asked for a bigger slot. So I felt you know. That's why I kind of just said, instead of asking questions, you know, back and forth of them, that's why I said, you know, just chime in however you want, you know, because I, I, you know, know, most of my, most of the personalized questions, you know, I had a couple for Stephanie and I don't think I had any for, um, 
for Michael and most of the ones for Stephanie. You know, I, I don't even think I got to the one for Stephanie because I was going to ask her what it was like when you found out you were going to be the new voice of Sailor Moon. Because again, Sailor Moon is such a pivotal, pivotal, pivotal god damn it, pivotal, pivotal role. role. Thank you, <laughs> pivotal role in American in, in anime in America. I mean. You know, you guys know I've talked about Robbie Damon, and when he found it was Tuxedo Mask, he's like, I'm going to be Tuxedo Mask! And he, he just had this energy, and when I met him briefly at AWA last year, I told him, I said, you really won me over when I saw that. I hadn't even seen his performance as Tuxedo Mask. Mm-hmm. But just to have that energy about a role that's what? It's it's about 25 years old by now, right, Michelle? You uh, know, st- I would guess. Sailor Moon Classic is about 25 years old. To get yes. that, ex- you know, I mean... And, you know, I, I really wish I got, you know, like I, said, I wish I had a little longer, but, you know, I didn't know that they were going to be paired up, you know, so, but, uh, like I, said, I wouldn't say that's a regret. I just wish I had a bit more time. There was, it's not fair. Sail- there was time now. Sailor Moon, Sailor Moon or, uh, originally, uh, first, uh, run was December 28th, 1991. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the manga. And I'm assuming that was, you know. that was in, that was in Japan. Hand. Yeah, yeah, that was the manga, oh. and then the anime came like a year later. So I was, oh okay, I was pretty close in my so estimation. It's been a, yeah, been about twenty six years. Yeah, uh, but it's still one of my favorites. You know, yes, I'm a I'm a thirty six year old guy who likes Sailor Moon. Get over <laughs> it. Get I over it. There was a live action series called uh, Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon. I th- yes, I think it uh, yes that was a uh, that was like early two thousands I think. Yeah, I, I never just watched on, it. I'm on YouTube or uh, uh, Wikipedia. I kind of well, it looks like it. we're break we're we're break time again. So yes, so yeah, we'll get to the rest of the interview. Uh, I really like some. I really enjoyed these two. They were funny. You know, like I said, you can tell that they work together quite a bit because they're you know they're you know they they they. It's like riffing a movie with friends. You gotta be able to bounce mm-hmm. off each other, you know. Otherwise, yeah. you're tripping that you're tripping over each other to get to the same joke. It's not funny. It's like playing well, a violin. you know. And, and it's interesting to me though because you you know there's like collaborative teams out there that you've seen like you know comedy duos and you know writers that always work together or people who do, you know. Uh, have an there's an ensemble that of uh, people who you know are always you know or uh, actors that a director always goes to or something like that or musicians that collaborate with one another all the time, and I just found it fascinating that that same kind of thing is going on on a regular basis with somebody. It's just something that I never thought about. It makes perfect sense, but you know, and and obviously the the. It, it remind they kind of remind me of uh, I don't remember all their names, but it was the team back in the um, in the '60s who basically resp- were responsible for bringing anime to the United States. The people who did the voices on like Speed Racer and oh, and whatnot, yeah. you know, because they that was a whole troop of people. A lot of them were old time radio actors um, that you know were doing the voice work you know i mean a lot of old-time radio actors you know i mean you look at uh uh the i don't know i can't remember the actor's name who did fred flintstone he started off i mean i have episodes of the shadow and yes. fred flintstone's the villain you know <laughs> yes you played so, i think you played at least one of them yeah yeah 
Yeah, he was he was a recurring uh, ca- uh, character actor on The Shadow. But yeah, I mean that that that's like you know. So it's really interesting to see that this modern kind of dynamic with uh, a collaborative team. Uh, you know, th- th- that to me is is really fascinating. But anyway, sorry, I'm going on. We we need to go to break. No, it's fine. But I, you know, like I said, when I send them to this, maybe I'll, you know, I'll, you know, say if you guys ever want to join us, you're free to. Because and then you'll be able to ask them personally, Kenny. You know, uh, I would. I that would be honored if if uh, you know that would be really really interesting to kind of get into their heads over you know the the creative process for this. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I just because, and especially for me, for you know, Kenny, you you've known me for oh my god, it's it's almost it's almost like eight years, it's been a while, too long, too long, but you know that for me, what I hear is probably the single most important thing for anything, which is oh, why I know, I know. I, I'm the know. same. I'm like I'm like a freak when it comes to listening to audio, and I listen to like edits, especially in reality TV. I'm like. Oh, somebody fucked up a word and they re-recorded it and just inserted it there, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, right. but yeah, I, 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 but anyway, go ahead. Yes. Also, I, I want to say I, I don't feel right bringing up their names or bringing them up and not uh, remembering exactly who they are. Alan Reed was the voice of Fred Flintstone. Thank you, Theo. And uh, some of the voice talents between, well, actually, the the figurehead of introducing anime to American audiences was the one and only Peter Fernandez, who was the voice of Speed Racer and Racer X, helped translate um, uh, scripts, uh, Japanese scripts, into the English language. He and uh, Corinne Orr was uh, the voice of uh, Trixie and I think uh, uh, Speed Racer's mom, and um, and then Jack Grimes who was uh, Sparky, and he did so many voices in so many of those, or, you know, uh, spe- he, you know, he was just like the every guy. Jack Grimes, it, he did a lot of stuff, I think, for, I, I don't remember if it's Dimension X or X-1, but he did a lot of sci-fi radio in the uh, in the 50s. So um, so there you go. I, I felt it, felt it uh, o- only right that, uh, it, seriously, that would be a fun show to do sometime, like, go back and and look at the history of the introduction of anime to American audiences uh, because Peter Fernandez is a name that will come up over and over and over again. He unfortunately passed away in 2010, but uh, Corinne Orr is still alive. She was born in 1936. So she's she's still still going. Hmm. So when last we let previously on Mike Check Radio... Aquaman made... No, I'm sorry. That That's a different shtick Meanwhile, entirely. at the Hall of Justice. That's a different shtick entirely. Uh, so Aquaman makes a cheese sandwich. <laughs> All right, so while this runs, I'm going to go get my dice so we can get ready to do this. Well, I'll be right back in a second. Here is uh, cut three. Sandy and Durwood would like to know uh, who would you consider to be your major influences and why? You know, just in general, it doesn't have to be voice acting, but actors in general, uh, directors. That's hard. That's deep. I mean, I, I, I've. This is this is going to sound really weird because my background. I have a lot of training. I went to the high school performing arts. They made the Fame movie and TV show about. Uh, I went to a classical conservatory for Shakespeare, uh, for college, uh, and for years when I was like, when people would ask who's your favorite actor, I didn't really have an answer. But someone that I've always loved, someone that I've always found really charming, and someone that whose creativity really influenced me, Jackie was, Chan. Yes, Jackie Chan, which is crazy. He's it, it, like for a classically trained actor to say 
like a kung fu film guy. Right. right? Uh, there's something. There was something so charming and so creative. Like it wasn't just taking this prop and fighting with it. It was finding like the nth, nth, nth degree beyond what you would have thought of to do. And that really inspired me to not just go for the first choice. I don't know who is inspired. Excuse I, me. I'm sorry. I'm hiccuping. Bless you. Boo. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for trying. I, I don't know. I'm also my brain is really tired right now, so I can't really think. I know that like when I heard Chris Brown speak, not the rapper, the voiceover director, um, she was really inspirational. How much she wanted to create a safe space to play for actors and the, all the care and thought she put into her work, and that was super inspirational to me. Um, and I know that I've had people that I admire, but like right now I'm just tired. Chris Brown's a great one. She's awesome. I haven't heard the name, but she sounds kind of like she has some stuff in common with Andrea Romano, you know, because she did a lot of similar stuff with her with her stuff. Well, you know, a lot of similar. Um, yeah, Andrea is you know. great. Yeah. I didn't know you were you'd worked with her before. Yeah, yeah. on Cora. I'm back, and yeah, I I I didn't I I forgotten that Andrea Romano again, who just recently retired. Uh, worked on uh, Legend of Korra, and I don't remember who Stephanie Shea played, but I really enjoyed Legend of Korra. I mean, that that was a fun series. It kind of got it kind of got knocked a bit, you know, which I don't understand. I thought it was a I thought it was a good sequel, but uh, yeah. Uh, hello. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, good, good. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, so yeah, uh, I, I and the thing is that when I asked that question, I kept expecting for someone to mention June Foray. You know, cause, I mean, because she was such a trailblazer, you know, for in terms of voice acting. But uh, anyway, uh, any thoughts before we go on? Anyone, Mueller? Uh, no, I just want to read Mort Treehorn's uh, Facebook status right now. Um. Because I'm fairly certain nobody has ever written this Facebook status in the history of Facebook. It says, people at this Monsters game like the chromosome damage shirt. How bad? He's at a Lake Erie's Monsters game, and apparently he's wearing his band shirt for the band chromosome damage. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> And he writes, people at this Monsters game like the chromosome damage shirt. So I, I just had to comment. I said, I'm pretty sure nobody's ever written that status update until now. So <laughs> <Cool>. uh, <laughs> there's, a first, there's a first time for everything, right, guys? Yeah, yes. And, of course, Mort is my old bandmate from Kill the Hippies. And also, uh, you know, I sent uh, Adam the Hello Baloo song that I'm going to be playing like crazy this year on Indie Media Weekly. Yes, we're, we are already beginning our transition for Halloween. We are. You know, I mean, if Christmas gets to encroach on Thanksgiving, Halloween can encroach on Halloween. Oh, yeah. I mean, seriously. I started uh, introducing uh, three Halloween songs. Uh, basically, w as soon as you hear a Halloween promo, you know you're going to hear three songs from the Halloween playlist. It might not be a song. It might be a movie trailer or a radio spot for an old movie or something or uh, a, a horror sound effect or something like that. But, uh, but yeah, so as soon as you hear that promo, you know you're in store for three tracks from our Halloween rotation. So there you go. And I'm going to increase it uh, probably next week. 
Very good. Yeah. Increase it to what? Three, three, four. Ah, ah, ah. Hey, I'm sure. on four more Halloween stuff. I got a brand new Halloween light, and that's already up because we haven't gotten any of our Halloween decorations down from the attic yet. But this year, I'm going dragons. I've got big inflatable dragons, and it's going to be great. Look on Michelle's works, ye mighty in despair. Oh, oh, oh. Now I've been called out. I have been called out again. Look upon my works, ye mighty in despair. Despair. Oh, wait. Gonk, gonk. Yeah, we had to have the beat in there. Oh, yeah. You love that. All right, here we go. Uh, cut five, where uh, I asked them about the uh, cosplaying and uh, working together. Miles in Port St. Lucie, Florida, who I swear is not who? one of my co- yes, he's one of my co-hosts. <laughs> <laughs> you almost got away with it. I, I would have gotten away with it uh, if it wasn't for yourself. Yeah. Well, I, I'm. I. What can I say? I'm an honest. I, I try to be honest. Uh, have you ever cosplayed or done Halloween as a character you voiced? I have. Well, oh, that I voiced. Wait, have I? Hmm. One year, oh. uh, the cast of TMNT had the laziest, like, Leo mask, Donnie mask, Raph, and Mikey mask. So we sort of cosplayed as ourselves, but I, I, I don't think it's it's fair to the great art of cosplay to say what we did was cosplay. <laughs> we dressed up for Halloween with, like, a cheap Walmart outfit, uh, which was sort of ironic and funny, but we did the voices and... I've cosplayed... Well, yeah, I, I definitely have, because when we were doing K-On!, and we did the the concerts. We were cosplaying as our characters, and we were wearing the official licensed uh, outfits, costumes for those characters. Um, so yes, but those we even pretty elaborate too, right? Yeah, we had the wig, even had the guitars. Um, but the I cosplayed before that when I was a fan before I was in the industry. But there were characters I did not voice. So, right. and then uh, Michael, you had an accidental cosplay. Oh, so uh, talking in your name, wears a shirt. When he goes on a date with Miss Okudera, he wears this shirt that's like mustard and white and gray and uh, sort of striped. green striped, uh, horizontal thick striped shirt that I totally have accidentally from Urban Outfitters, except mine's a crew and his is a V-neck. It's urban. I thought it was banana. Uh, no, no. It was, it's it, urban? I, it was Urban oh. Outfitters. and like three for 15 or something. I don't know. And uh, it was part of a, <laughs> a sale. And I bought it, and uh, I was like, wait, I own that shirt. And so when we went to see the movie with Shinkai in the, for the L.A. premiere, or uh, L.A. Academy screening, uh, I wore it, and then I put like a little blazer on top of it. And I was like, oh, I wonder if anyone's going to notice that I'm wearing the same thing the he shirt. wears. Yeah. No one did. Also, there's a pair of pants that you have, ben, these Ben Sherman pants that he also owns. In the so I'm getting the impression, if you don't mind my saying, that you two work together quite a bit because it seems like you know each other pretty well. Non-stop. <laughs> yes. In fact, on your name, we were working together a thousand hours a day, and we would only get to our own characters after eh, like 11 o'clock at night and record until the wee hours of the morning. So, yeah. So there you go. Yeah, they they work together quite a bit. Yeah. Wow. it's it, it, That's pretty yeah. impressive. Uh, I, I'd, again... That's uh, if if by chance we ever get to uh, have him on the program sometime, that would just be fascinating to to get into the the process again. You know, from picking a project or how they acquire it or whatever. You know, and and you know, go from there. Because I saw a, a, an article about them. Um, 
I'm going to see if I can pull up the the page real quick. Um, but there was a really really cool article uh, about them and uh, how they kind of solicited and got to do this certain film. So I'll see if I can find it and talk about it a little bit. We'll yeah, see. and don't forget. So, so your name, Adam. Co- yes. I was just curious. Is my are my questions were they that much of an embarrassment that you had to disclaimer me? I was before, choking. You know, I was choking. Okay. I just uh, okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's no, okay. I, I'm not. I'm not. So, I know you were. It's all good. <laughs> the only one I had reservation about was the the hottest sailor century question. So I kind of re, you know reworded it so it didn't seem like I might be coming on to Christina V. Uh. Well, I can come on because I wasn't there. You know, it was like a remotely, remotely kind of like, you know, try to make her blush thing. I, I, I am a, I, in person. I would be as shy as you can get. Well, she did me? get a good but, laugh out of that question, though. So I, I clearly was a, a, in an OK territory. Anyway. Cool. Yeah. Excellent. So. OK. You're welcome. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, next question. Uh, next uh, cut is uh, talking about. Uh, well, I sh- I share a personal story. Uh, a very personal story that I- John did. Did you did you? Per- I know you were in JSA, but did you go to the show special screening of uh, Summer Wars in two thousand eleven? No, I see. Well, damn. <laughs> I thought we might have had us. We might have been able to share a moment there, but uh, anyway. Uh, and I, I actually also, uh, Brina Palencia, who was my final interview at the convention, she played the, the woman, uh, the girl lead in, uh, Summer Wars. And I shared the same story with her because again, I want these people, you know, I know they, you know, I know they love what they do and it's not like they need validation from Adam, the, the schmuck Hebert. But, you know, I, I, I felt that, you know, I wanted to share this story. I wanted them to know that what they did made a difference. What what he had what he had helped make made a difference. So, um, anyway, he, this is uh, a couple minutes long. One thing I wanted to um, share um, because I did mention Summer Wars earlier, if you don't mind, Michael. Um, it, that came out in 2011, if I'm not mistaken. That sounds about right. I'm so old. <laughs> American mind. Six years ago, before I was an old man. <laughs> um, and I just want to point this out because you know uh, the, they just recently. Um, oh, that's the. They just recently announced the uh, settlement of the the uh, the strike. Mm. Um, that we we did cover that several times as well, and. You know the 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 campaign slogan, kind of, I guess you could say, was performance matters. Mm-hmm. And I want to tell you this because performance does matter. Um, Some wars came out around the time of the tsunami in 2011. I was going to college at the University of Montana mm-hmm. with and knew several um, uh, Japanese exchange students, and I was involved in the JSA, Japanese Students Association. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm not of Japanese descent, so but. Um, and as a fundraiser, we got special permission. I would imagine Funimation was involved with this. I don't know if you may have known anything about this, but we got special permission to show Summer Wars in the Wilma Theater in Missoula, Montana, as a fundraiser. And um, I sat with a couple of the exchange students because we were doing um, a raffle. And, and the reason why I want you know why I'm saying this performance does matter is it, it was like for a couple hours. They didn't have a care in the world. They were enjoying the movie. They were laughing. And 
it's like I said, performance matters. That's beautiful. You know, I wish I could have been there. You know, um, awesome. I didn't know if I don't know. Like I said, I don't know how far it went. I would imagine Funimation had to approve it because it was the dub. Sure. But um, you know, like I said, especially like, like, since that was like I said the camp. I, you know, like I said, a slogan. I guess you could say. I wanted to share that because you know, uh, people people don't realize it, but it does matter. And I, um, I, I, I think it really does matter. I think otherwise, I mean, we're making art here. I think it's really easy, you know, as everything increases or more and more streaming services and competing everything and disruptive everything, whatever, that if you're a producer and you're trying to be competitive, it really comes about dollars and cents. But in the end, we're not making widgets. We're making art at its best, at the, at the worst entertainment. Either way, I think performance matters. Otherwise, why are you going to care? There you go. So yeah, I got a chance to share that story, um, and, and I didn't, you know, that that is a an actual thing, you know. Um, yeah, we got special permission from the the makers of the movie, the people from Japan, and like I said, I assume it was Funimation because uh, we did show the dub, but um, you know, you know, like I said, I know they don't need validation from me, but mm-hmm. at no, the same cool. time, I think that they they you know that he. You know, I wanted him to know what his work meant to those students because, I mean, like I said, this was right after that tsunami. You know, uh, you know, yeah. we, we were aggressively. I think the tsunami happened in like February, and we had been busting our asses to raise money for the relief efforts, to where we we um every year we did a, a culture festival and to raise money for a fun activity at the end of the year, we would, you mm-hmm. know, cert- make food, you know, Japanese food. And, um, instead of doing what we originally planned, which was a trip to, um, Yellowstone for an entire weekend, we instead just set, you know, set aside a small portion of it. It went to Lolo hot springs where we filmed. It came from behind, it came from, uh, it came from Lolo hot springs, zing, zing, zing. And uh, stayed a night, mm-hmm. and 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 then we we donated the remainder of the you know the bulk of the money to the relief effort, and and that's in, in addition to the money we raised. That's very yeah. nice. You know, very cool. You know, I, I, oh, in it, the article that I was referring to, I posted a link in the chat room, but it's from Anime's Anime News Network from uh, May eleventh, twenty seventeen, by Zach uh, Chi. Um, uh, or Bertschi, I'm not sure how to say it, but uh, it's an uh, interview with uh, Michael uh, Sinner-Niklaus and Stephanie Shea on your name. So I know you mentioned that in the interview a little bit. It, uh, it was mentioned that this looks like a really good uh, movie. I've never seen it, but it, they they talk about like how they first saw it and uh, how they decided to work on it. And apparently they they're um, they've kind of pioneered uh some uh uh techniques for uh doing quicker turnaround on high quality dubs uh so that's a that's pretty rad Uh, you know that's so interesting i'm learning i'm learning some new stuff here kids all right we got one more cut from the interview before we roll the die all right here we go uh Again, this was the ner- I decided to end the interviews with a nerd a suitably nerdy question. And the question I decided to end with for everyone was if you watch Game of Thrones, who do you want to end up on the Iron Throne and why? <laughs> I decided to nerd it up a bit. <laughs> it's a fun uh, question. 
Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's a fun, you know, it's a creative exercise. So here we go. Who do they want to sit on the Iron Throne? What was so here we go. And the final, the the funny nerdy question I want to end oh. is, if you don't mind, and if and if you do, it, if you do, please <laughs> don't shoot. Shoot. <laughs> the, the the question we all settled on was, uh, who do you want to see on the Iron Throne at the end of Game of Thrones, and why? If you watch Game of Thrones, oh. Arya. I want to see Daenerys. <laughs> you know what? I kind of want to see Dinklage. Uh, because Dinklage is not a character in Game of Thrones. Uh, are you kidding I me? Think <laughs> you what am I think you Tyrion. No, no, no. I mean Peter Dinklage. Yeah. I want Peter okay. Dinklage to sit on the Iron Throne because <laughs> he got all that shade from his whatever screen, on-screen family, and he was the only one that George was like, this is the dude that has to be in this thing. You can cast you? whoever else. But George R. R. Martin was like, I want Peter Dinklage. Why so I think he wanted it because, big surprise, in the end, it's going to be Peter Dinklage on the throne, not Tyrion Lannister, Peter Dinklage. Why is there so much <laughs> incest? You heard it here first. Why is there so much incest in that show? But but poor old Tyrion gets left out of it. I, yeah. I, but no, I, not like even I said, his family loves him inappropriately. I'm, I'm glad you guys enjoyed that question. I was worried. I was like, I, you know. Can you imagine? No, that's right, what we should have done. Dare you. No, we should have been like, what's that? Oh, yeah, Game wait, of Thrones? Iron Throne? Is what's, that like a Lego thing? That, uh, yeah. <laughs> you son of. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you very much, Stephanie Shea. Thanks. Uh, Michael Sinternick Gloss. Perfect. Uh, thank you. I try. And I shook their hands at the, that, you know, you could hear me, re, you know, reaching past my microphone. So there we go. They, they liked the question. I, I was very, I was like, I said, it's like, ugh, if I asked the wrong person this question, I mean, I, it wouldn't be like a major faux pas, but it'd be like cricket chirp. So, you know there, what, what you should, the question should have been, who would you cast in every role for a voiceover artists uh, in Game of Thrones? Go. <laughs> uh, now that would be like a whole half hour, right there. Oh no, yeah, that yeah, that'd take to... like it'd take a day. But but write that down because I'm gonna send this to them. This the segment and the original interview, and they will hear us talking about you know maybe they could be interested in coming on, and uh, you know if they were, maybe we get a chance to ask them ourselves. Like that would be fun. I, I would never, I would never punish somebody and say. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's a ridiculous question. But no, I love, I loved uh, the, the how you ended it. That was, that was good. That yeah, was I, that was that was a lot of fun. And like I said, they they were amazing people. I just wish I had more time. I mean, like I said, fifteen minutes for two people. I felt kind of guilty because I'm trying to divide my attention. And Kenny, again, ADHD. I'm off my, I'm getting off my riddle at that time of night. You know, it's it's almost out of my system and so it's just it's hard it was hard it was it was a you know you you if you would have had it, it, it's not fair that you, you should have had all the all the time in the world it's yeah, not I should, fair there, there was time now uh but uh, it's just not fair it's it's not fair not, it's not fair at all i'm i, I <laughs> it's a trap it's not uh there we go it's not fair <laughs> No, it's not Bridges Meredith. <laughs> You're listening to Mike Check Radio with Adam Hebert. I won't argue that it was a no-holds-barred, adrenaline-fueled thrill ride, but there's no way you could perpetrate that amount of carnage and mayhem and not incur a considerable amount of paperwork. Mike Check Radio with Adam Hebert at Indie Media Weekly Radio.
Show starts in three minutes. All right, so are we ready? Yippee! I edited this. I'm ready. Yeah, rocket, you turkey. Edited this the best way I could. I still need to master the use of the compressor. But so this is my AWA interview with Brina Palencia, who was hysterically funny. And, in case she's listening, because I did tell her we would be here this night, is always welcome here if she ever wants to, you know, hang out with us uh, nerds. Yeah. You know, always welcome here. Just like I told Mary Elizabeth, I told, I told Mary Elizabeth McGlynn on Thursday night while, uh, during Critical, I said, you know, I know it's never going to happen, but you are always welcome at my gaming table. 
<laughs> so, all right. The first, so the first cut is uh, about uh, two and a half minutes, and this is the intro and her notable roles. And the funny, f- funny thing about this one is, every time I, 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 I was not going to ask her the favorite character question because every other time I've asked that question, I, oh my god, you can't ask that. It's like asking me to pick a favorite child. Like I'm like I'm asking them to you know take a a, a puppy and toss it into the wood chipper you know. Mm. Um, but in this you'll hear her. She just volunteers. Seal fandom life. Perfect. Cut one. Thank you for uh, uh, having you sit down with me. I appreciate it. Anyway, uh, I am here on the last day of AWA 2017. Right, 2017. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sunday, October first, and I'm sitting here with uh, Brina Palencia. Please tell me I got that right. That's yes, you did. Okay, you pronounced good. it perfectly. You know, the funny thing is, is my, you know, I kind of figured I was because my, you know, my fa- my family is uh, Italian American, so you know, kind of cool. You know. Yes. Yeah. Someone told me uh, that Palencia is actually in some ways Italian. Like, there's That's apparently. Fun. So some Italian woman told me, asked me right. if I was Italian. Right. Well, I mean, they, it could also be a common route. But anyway, that's, that's mm-hmm. not here there. But, you know, because that's why I thought first and I was doing, you know, doing my, my research, you know, and I was, Honor, you know, Honduran American. What? Because <laughs> uh, I, like I said, I saw the name and I assumed it was, my family's surname was LaBranda. Uh, gotcha. So, um, anyway, uh, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to print, so I had to, I just uh, typed everything out. Uh, so some notable roles I, I did, uh, I, you know, to start the interview. Uh, C- probably the biggest one right now is uh, CL Phantom Hive mm-hmm. and Black Butler. Also my favorite. Well, <laughs> every time I've asked, the one time I wasn't going to ask that question is the one time I saw it. Every time. You can't ask me that. That's like asking for I my know. favorite I'm always on panels like and pe- when people ask that question and everyone else on the panel is like, oh, I can't choose. And I'm like, I can choose. CL it's CL Phantom Hive. Hive. <laughs> CL Phantom Hive yeah. for sure. Um, <laughs> Not Ski and Summer Wars, which uh, I would oh. like to share something about that towards the end of the interview. And a personal favorite of mine, uh, Loki and Mythical Detective Loki Ragnarok, because I am a mythology Whoa! Nut. I completely forgot about that show. <laughs> well, it is kind of <laughs> obscure, but the thing is... is and it was a long time ago, too. I mean, I think I recorded that 10 years ago. 2006, I believe. Yeah. Uh, but I'm a, a mythology nut. You know, I, I, re- I really love Joseph Campbell's works and, you know, Greek, Roman... Uh, when I was in college, Japanese, because I was part of my major, you know, Japanese language and culture. But um, and uh, Chiaotsu and Puar in Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z, the Funimation version, not the old. You know, right, I'm actually not in Dragon Ball. I, I oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I only did the voicing for Dragon Ball Z Kai and oh. Dragon Ball Super. I see. Well, I apologize for the and error. the games. A lot of the, the newer games that have come out. Is Chiaotsu in the new fighting game? Or oh, no? I don't think so. Well, you would, <laughs> yeah, you would know. I, I, yeah. would, I would imagine. Anyway, um. All right, so there we go. Like I said, the one time I was going to ask the question, she just uh, voluntarily gives it up, guys. Well, that sounds cool. awesome. Excellent. Yeah. yeah oh, Excellent. oh, like I said, yeah, she, I, I, she I sounds really, very, very personable. Oh, she was. Like I said, I, I, I loved all my interviews, but I don't know if maybe because it was the last one of the of the con, you know. I, I really enjoyed that one particularly. You know, she was so Maybe funny. Maybe she was sweet on you. <laughs> I doubt that. I doubt that very much. What are you trying to do, Kenny? Well, Get me blacklisted? Uh, oh, I'm no, no. just wait, having fun of your space. Wait till next year, Adam. I'll get you blacklisted. <laughs> Don't. No, no. You'll get yourself oh, blacklisted. Oh, yes. 
I've been called out. Any knowledge. Yeah, in Cat, what do you think of that first clip? Was it very long? Well, none of these are very long, but you know, what 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 did you think? I I found it uh, kind of amusing that uh, she she not only volunteered that favorite role, but then she's like, "Oh yeah, I'm on panels all the time, and everybody else is like that." But for me, it's like, nope, this is my favorite. Yeah. Yeah, like and, and don't get me wrong. I would say her most iconic role probably is Seal Phantom Hive. I'm just surprised. Like I said, she would just say my favorite. Like that, you know. I was like, oh, hey, maybe I should, maybe I should have never asked that question to begin with, and see if I get them well, to, to volunteer it. That that's pretty cool, though. I mean, you know, it, it kind of, it, it, and it shows that you know, folks working in this industry. That it, it 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 takes all kinds, you know. There there are people who are like, you know what? Yeah, I, absolutely, I have a fra- favorite. And there are other people like, you know what? I I love them all. And there's people that, that maybe there's one person out there that's like, I hate all of my roles. Don't ask me again. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I doubt it. It's just but I security. Doubt it. but yeah, I mean, it's security. You know, it's. <laughs> But no, I, 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 it's 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 just great because you know, even when you when you get to meet your heroes and your idols and everything, it's 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 really cool to see just the intricacies of their personalities and you know, um, well, and, speak- and that, that's cool that you know it's right. it's a mixed bag. Well, speaking of getting to meet your heroes, uh, here she is talking about. Uh, uh, how she decided to become uh, a voice actor. Spoiler Ooh, involves good. involves you, you guys remember uh, that that you know uh, when, when they did that Dragon Ball Z movie or uh, one of the Dragon Ball movies and we they overdubbed the movies. Uh, Chris Sabat was like three characters in that. You guys you remember that? You know he yeah. was Vegeta. Yeah. What? He was and then he was also <laughs> he was also Piccolo. He was the one who said yeah you can milk yeah you can milk anything you know that that one. Um, so, I mean, he's a pretty big name in anime, um, and so, well, I'm not going to spoil it. We're just going to dive, like I said, we're going to dive right in with uh, the second cut from the interview. What I did was I solicited some questions from my listeners, and I I threw in some, like, some general questions. Um, so I'll start with, uh, what made you decide to pursue voice acting as a career? Well, I was lucky enough to even know it was an option uh, because I had taken a tour of Funimation when I was 16. I was a huge Dragon Ball Z fan. And I remember I was actually watching Chris Sabat in the booth record Piccolo. And um, and it's just kind of funny since now he's a very close friend of mine. Um, And I I just remember watching him and thinking, I want to do that. That looks like so much fun. And I feel like I could do that. And so um, when I graduated high school is when I uh, went to audition and yeah I mean I, I, I never expected it to be a full-time thing at all I thought that it would just be a side career because it doesn't pay much unless you're right. doing it a lot because uh, it's just an hourly rate and it's not a very high hourly rate and you don't get many hours even if you're a lead and so I just 
yeah, I just never thought that it would be that I could make a living off of it. But then turns out you can also do commercial work and, right. you know, video game work. And there's so, so many other options in the voiceover realm that you can really make a living. Well, and unlike with, you know, well, I mean, I know they don't always deliberately do it, but you avoid typecasting. You know, mm, you know, mm-hmm. they, you know, in voice work. I mean, come on, who would have thought Mark Hamill could do Joker? I oh mean, my gosh! You know, yeah, I, you know. So I mean, I can see why a lot of people would, you know, like, like I said, why it's a viable option. I, you know, I never said when I was growing up, I'm gonna do liberal talk radio. Right. No, I, right. I was always, I want to be a paleontologist. That was my dream. Oh, <laughs> <Aww>, that's awesome. <laughs> you know. There you go. She didn't stop on my dreams, on my former dreams of being a paleontologist. But yeah, so she saw Chris, uh, Chris Sabat. In the booth, voicing Piccolo, and uh, you know, sounds like it was love at first sight for career wise. It's pretty damn uh, cool. Yeah, yeah, that's that. That's got to be. You know, that's always cool too. When you know, it's like you've seen somebody from afar. You, you know, as somebody you, you look up to, and then boom, you get the job, and you're like, he's my friend now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know. And that's a pretty nice story as well. That you know that now they're yeah. close personal friends. Yeah, because somebody like me could never have a voiceover career because I sound like a thirteen-year-old girl, and that sucks. Hey, some <laughs> that's people. That's a great thing, though. Child labor laws—you can g- circumvent that. I was, I was gonna say, you would be surprised some of the voice actresses for anime that I've met who sound a lot younger than you do michelle (laughs) sandy fox sandy fox she does monica real uh sandy fox does think sandy i i always start singing sandy frank in my head every time you say sandy fox he's the source of all our pain but sandy fox is not the source of all our pain because i'm I'm holding out hope of getting an interview with her one day so (laughs) but no she almost uh she does almost exclusively little girls she you know like she, she's the new voice of chibiusa um you, you should rephrase that she almost exclusively, exclusively voices, provides, voices provides voice acting for young girl characters all right there we go right, there, there, there goes the interview with sandy fox pick thanks oh i gotta go back and get that no, I, I think i might have saved you the right there but uh, <laughs> clarifying. Yes. Thank you, thank you for thank you for saving my bacon again. Although there Very is a lot of bacon, unfortunately. See, my problem is I come from a family that actually has voice people. My my cousin is Jimmy Nelson, who did the voice for Farful the dog. You know, he's he's, no a, a, ventrilo- he's a ventriloquist. Yes. That's Danny awesome. O'Day and Sparkle the Dog. You know, Nessie makes oh my, the very best dog. That's so it. awesome. Yep, that's oh my god. So that's hilarious. Know. So I've you know John been... John Boy Walton is my cousin, Richard Thomas. Okay. <laughs> cool. See now I, I it's like I've got no famous relatives. Oh. <laughs> you do. They just don't want to admit it. <laughs> I wouldn't want Adam, to admit being really being related to me join the club so <laughs> my nephew is two and a half and he's embarrassed by me that he'll be a also, star one day i'm also pretty sure i'm related to william tuttle the famous makeup artist so wow <laughs> but no seriously you could do Get it I mean, there. You know, that's awesome you could do you could either do uh, uh i'm sorry voice 
do boy voices or you know little boy voices or girl voices yeah i i just don't think i'm that talented oh you, you'll you'd be fine all right let's do this last yeah. one for, do like excuse a... me Bart before Simpson. the break yeah nancy Bart, Car- I mean, Bart yeah. Simpson. all right let's get to this last part or not not the last last but you know before break Anyway, uh, so I'll, I'll do some of the questions for my listeners as soon as I can see my point. My eyes are. Um, so, uh, Ken, well, I already uh, we already talked about your favorite being CL Phantom Hive. Uh, Ken Columbus wanted to know the answer to that, mm-hmm. and like I said, everyone always reacted. You can't ask me that. It's like asking me. So I was like, okay, okay, I won't ask that anymore. <laughs> um, oh, I, I'll, I'll be, I'll definitely when I have children, I will have a favorite child. I'm sure. <laughs> I have a favorite cat. I mean, you know. <laughs> I have a favorite nephew. I just have the one, so it's not that difficult. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty easy. Uh, Miles, uh, no, uh, we'll do a Sandy's question. Uh, who would you consider to be your major influences in life? Obviously, you mentioned Chris Sabat, you know, being, you know, seeing him recording, I would imagine he's an influence. Yeah, Chris Sabat. Um, I'm pronouncing it wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. He never corrects anyone, which drives me crazy. Like, when he does panels or interviews, like, they'll always say Sabat, and he never corrects them, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's not, that's not how they say your name. Um, anyway. He, I guess he wasn't necessarily uh, an influence as far as how I act. It was more just seeing anyone do it right, was like, yes, that. I want to do that. Um, probably the voice actors that I learned the most from would be Monica Rial, um, Colleen Clinkenbeard, and Lucy Christian. Uh, because, well, Colleen actually, she was the person, her and Mike McFarland. Um, cast me in my first featured role ever in Full Metal Alchemist as Nina Tucker. Yes. And Colleen. Or Nina. Yeah, oh my gosh. And Colleen uh, directed me in the part, and she, for whatever reason, just kind of took me under her wing. And she hired me on as a director about I, maybe a year or so after that. And I got to direct Moon Phase, which is not a super well-known show, but it was really fun. And Monica Rial was the lead in it. And uh, Lucy Christian was another lead in it. And then I went on to direct Lucy Christian as uh, Tenma in School Rumble. And the two of them are just so incredibly versatile and so talented and so devoted to the craft of acting. It was like taking a master class, getting to direct them. Um, and I finally got to see behind the scenes of like oh this is why you get cast all the time just just the level of professionalism how quickly they're able to uh see the timing of lines and just to buy in 100 percent to each scene i mean they're they were really incredible to watch and i learned probably the most from them so yeah uh monica real who who's been around for a while in anime uh pretty big name oh yeah <laughs> and uh, Colleen Clinkenbeard, who was, um, I she was um, Reza Hawkeye, right? No, yeah, she was Reza Hawkeye in Full Metal Alchemist and Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, um, and Esther in uh, Trinity Blood. She's uh, she's really good, and, and don't. Don't assume that the, you know, her talking, you know, a lot of these people talk about directing and have a lot of directing credits. I did ask about that in the mm-hmm. next clip uh, that we'll get to after the break. Um, because I did know, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm I'm not stupid. I did notice, you know, a lot of crossover. And so I did ask about that, which we will find out more about uh, when we come back from break. And for this break, ladies and gentlemen. 
we have a special uh, treat. Um, oh, yes? Yeah, yes, we do, because we have a song from Brina Palencia. Uh, Ooh, she could, cool. she was not she was not able to find the political song. Although, if you ever have any like anti-Trump anthems, we will play them. We will play oh, them yeah. gladly. I think we could even make arrangements for Kenny to do that if if that were an option, right, Kenny? Maybe yeah, depending on the song. Of course, <laughs> you know. I mean, yeah, she, Kenny, yeah. But uh, this is if about. If we have one... artist permission music that's good, I will definitely play it on my shoe. Well, she sent it to nice. me, so we have artist permission for this one. It's called Bliss, Boom. and it's about it's about long distance relationships. Um, before we go to break, I just want to say thank you very much, Brina. Um, it was it was a true joy to interview you, and I appreciate you uh, trusting us enough to. Uh, allow us to play this song. So we're going to play this, and then we'll come back with the rest of the, the interview, which should not be that much. And we're not leaving this show until we talk about Stranger Things. Oh, boy. At least for a few minutes. So, you know, because this season is about... This season looks like it's going to get insane. Um, so... Oh, and I did ask her the, the Iron Throne question. She had a great answer. Uh, anywho... Uh, let's get to this. So, uh, the next question is about, uh, a voiceover acting actor and director crossover and her talking about using her voice to prank call people. Miles, <laughs> this is one of yours. This is one of yours. It's one of your questions. Here we go. Well, just like curiously, because I noticed there seems to be a lot of crossover. A lot of people do voice acting, also direct. Is there any reason why that often happens, or is it just the nature of the beast? I think it's just because uh, it's such a unique skill set to understand how to ADR and do dubbing that it is just easier to hire a voice actor to be a director. Um, and then once you, and then if you came, I mean, I, I don't know that I know anyone that just started with. I'm sure they're out there, but I don't think I know anyone that started just as a director with no prior voice acting experience. Everybody that I know that has directed has had at least had a little bit because you kind of just have to know how it works, right. you know, before you're able to direct it for sure. Well, it helps also knowing the people you're directing as well. And when you're, you know, when you're dubbing, you know, obviously, you know, like I said, you got you knew Colleen Clinkenbeard before you directed her, and that probably helped a bit too. That's true. You yeah. Know. Um. <laughs> Miles in Southport, St. Lucie, Florida, who I will admit, he's my co-host, one of my co-hosts. <laughs> he wants to know if uh, you've ever used uh, your skill set, he says your voice powers, but skill set to uh, benefit the dark side by pranking someone. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I went, uh, from a very young age, I started prank calling people. It was one of my favorite things to do. Um, me and Leah Clark, actually, uh, who's also a voice actress, she and I, all throughout college, prank people I mean that was like our weekends we would just prank call people all the time uh, my favorite and it's a, I've never been able to find an excuse to use this character for anything like definitely not an anime I feel like it would have to be either a video game or original animation but it's <laughs> it's a, I would call restaurants and be like this is Merle Bagel biscuit kind of sewer I just want to know what you have in the way of biscuits <laughs> And then they, they were obviously always really confused, and they're just like, I'm, I'm sorry, what? I just, I need to know what you offer in the way of biscuits. Like, is it buttermilk, or do you have cheddar biscuits? 
garlic biscuits, maybe some rosemary. Just I just need to know what kind of biscuits you offer at your establishment. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why, but that one was by far my favorite. No, I mean I, I, I'm trying not to laugh because you know I don't want to you know have, like have, be laughing over you you know over you. Um, and, and I was really struggling to keep it together because she was just so funny. That was amazing. I, I know. Love that. Yes, it was. It was can I great. can I get part of that? Can I get part of that clip for when I do uh, we do name calling on Turn Up oh, the Night? Uh, <laughs> oh, biscuit. Yeah, biscuit. I, 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 you know, uh, I was just wondering what kind of biscuits you had. I mean, just you, just a short clip of that would be. Yeah, I, I think I think she'll be okay with that. If not, she knows where to find me. <laughs> I probably That's shouldn't right. be giving out my personal. <laughs> she will hunt you down. <laughs> she's going to either, and after this show, she's either going to pity you or hate you so much. Yeah, nowhere in be nothing in between. I'll give you that much for free. No, I'm sure that would be okay. But uh, no, that was just so funny. Um, and I mean, you you guys cannot hear it on the clip, but I was struggling to keep it together because I just didn't want to seem like I was rude by laughing over her. Oh no no no! That's great. It's you kept the clip crystal clear, so that's even better. That's great. (laughs) You knew a good thing when you heard it. Oh yeah, I was like, "This is great. This is hysterical." Yes, Michelle. Clown, Joni Ernst was that it? That did the biscuit thing? Is that her? Yeah. 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 Yeah, That that is much better. That biscuit quote is amazing from her. Uh, I will oh. cut it out. I will cut it out tonight, and I will get. I'll get it to you first thing in the morning. Uh, no, that's not. Yeah. That's uh, a terrible Sarah Palin. I'll premiere that. I'll premiere that. Yeah. Be sure to put her name on that too. I know. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I look. Either we're establishing a new relationship here at Any Mini Weekly, or we are burning a bridge. <laughs> But I love that cheddar cheese biscuits or garlic biscuits. Rosemary biscuits. Rosemary. That's great. That's great. Garlic biscuits. And I will say this. As an Italian, you know, I am like a vampire's worst enemy. You know, I've got garlic in my blood. I I, got to tell you, I got to give kudos to Miles right now. Awesome question, brother. Yes. Great, Miles. That's going to have to be on my regular, uh, you know, rotation of questions for these events. That was a good question. That was that, you know. Yeah. I I do try to, you know, I I figure these these actors usually get the the usual, like, what got you into acting, who your mentors, you know, that kind of stuff. I wanted to get to know them. I I thought my, I, I tried to put my questions in that were more about, tell us about you, you know. No, uh, no. That was a great, you know, that was a great way to do it. And, and I, you know, like I said, I just, like I said, I'm trying not to lose it and, and laugh because like I said, I didn't want to seem rude. Plus I hate mm. when people see my mouth open. I look like a freaking hippo. <laughs> my, uh, uh, of course, I, I'm, I'm, I don't understand why you didn't ask the question I suggested, uh, which is, uh, what is your favorite color? So. <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> what is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? swallow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that. <laughs> so, uh, the, sa- the funny thing is, she probably would have gotten those jo- those references. Oh sure. Yeah, that's the nice thing about her. that's the nice thing about a lot of these voice actors who are who are, you know who are who started as fans is they're nerds too. 
And when we say nerd on this program, favorite color, blue. No. You know, and when we and when we say nerd on the show, we nerd. When we say nerd on the show, we mean it in the you know in the in a prideful sense. We have nerd pride. I am proud to be a licensed. I'm I'm proud to be a class S licensed nerd with the amalgamated union of nerds, geeks, weirdos, and other professional strange persons. Local 42! <laughs> I, was, I was wearing comic book t-shirts before there was comic book movies, and I got scorn. Scorn! I would never heap scorn on you, Kenny. You taught me everything I know. I know you wouldn't. But all those I, fucking jerks that did, they're jerks. Yep. I, all right. Oh, I, sorry. I played D&D from the Chainmail original brown paper pamphlet back when I was nine. So oh. I've been a nerd for over 41 years. And I <laughs> my day. Yes. All right. The next so, clip. Oh, but, sorry. Wait, can't, we haven't heard from Cat. We haven't yes, heard Kat. from Cat for a hot minute. So did, did you want to jump in before we get to the next clip? Oh, I, I was just enjoying listening to you all trying to whip it out and measure your nerd penises. I didn't. <laughs> no, you just but had is, to say is, that you saw Michelle first. Like, I, it, is, I it is impressive. Oh, yeah. You know, she, uh, she do well, that, that's a blatant lie. I didn't see her first, but I got her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, but she's hot dog, not taco, so... <laughs> Wait, what? Hold up. Back it up. No, just stop beep, right there. Beep, back that truck. All right, let's get to this. Um, because as I mentioned early in the interview, she was also involved in Summer Wars, which if you guys remember the interview from last week, um, you know, I had a personal story involving this movie. And I wanted to make sure, you know, like I, said, like I told Michael, I wanted to make sure he heard it because performance does matter. We we here on this program were behind the voice actors 110% during the strike, you know, when it was a, a possible strike, and then when it was an incipient strike, and then it was an, act, an, an in-progress strike. We were behind them because performance does matter. And this story of mine proves that, I think. Um, so here we go. Uh, I share my Summer War story with uh, Brina Palencia. Now, I did, you know, since I mentioned uh, Summer Wars, and I, I, I'm trying to pay attention from that, I, I want to get uh, mention this. Um, so Summer Wars came out in 2011, sh- uh, shortly after the tsunami in Japan. And at the time, I was going to college in the University of Montana at Missoula. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with I, I don't know what, you know, you might be familiar with. So, um, and... We have a we have a lot of Japanese exchange students, ah. and when the tsunami happened as a fundraiser, the JSA I was involved. Obviously, I'm not of Japanese descent, but you know I I, I, I you know I was in the you know the, the association as a historian. Uh, we secured special permission from the creators of Summer Wars, and I would assume Funimation since it was dubbed, to run a theatrical screening of Summer Wars in the Wilma Theater in Missoula. To raise money? Yes. That just gave me chills. That's uh, so you know, cool. Um, and I will say that I was there with, you know, I was paired with a couple of the exchange students, and we were doing a raffle, and then we went in to watch the theater. 
and the reason why I mention this is because you know the the video game strike just ended, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and you know the the campaign slogan, I guess you could you call it, was performance matters. And the point I'm trying to make, and you know, is that performance does matter. What you you know, I, I mean, I, I doubt you need and you need to hear this from me exactly, but what you do does matter because for for 90 minutes, it was as though those people who you know who had been concerned about what was going on in Japan didn't have a care in the world. They were smiling. They were laughing. And I was just amazed when I saw that. And I, you know, when I got an interview with you and um, Mr. Center Niklas, I had to tell that story because I want people to know that what you guys do matter, you know. Thank you so much for saying that. I yeah. genuinely appreciate it. And I don't, like I said, I don't know how much you guys might have known about that. Well, I know uh, no, I didn't know. Up, I didn't know. know anything about so it. So I, 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 like I said, I assume it went through Funimation. I know that we did, uh, you know, it was a... It I'm was sure, a, it, but they don't ask the voice actors for that. Well, you know yeah, what I mean? Well, you never know, I, you know, <laughs> but I just, like I said, what you do matters. And, you know, there are people like me who, for whom listening is, is important. You know, like I, when I was little... I do a lot of old-time, you know, well, no, not when I was little, but I do a lot of old-time radio, you know, the huge CBS Radio Mystery Theater. Oh, yeah. And I'll be listening to it in the car when I was driving here, just listening to, you know, like the Star Wars radio drama that was on NPR. Because, like, and people were like, how do you know who these people are? How do you know their names? I was like, what I hear is important to me. So I know, for example, you, Brina Palencia, play Seal Fandom Hive and Black Butler. Because I may not be able to pair the face with the name until I meet you. But I, you know, like I said, what I hear is important, so I kind of take it, take that knowledge in. That's great. So, I, but like I said, performance does matter, and I wanted to make sure to uh, uh, share that story because, you Thank know. you, yeah. So there you go. Uh, second person who was moved by that story. Excellent. And, and well like I said, it is it is a true story. Well done. You know, um, <clears throat> we, we missed, like, the first, you know, 20 minutes of the movie. Um because we were out, out out in the lobby doing you know t- selling tickets for the raffle and selling bracelets that you know pray for Japan and and you know I'm an atheist but I wasn't going to poo poo the idea you know I I wanted to help you know so and then we went in the, in the theater and I'm looking around at my my friends the people I'd gotten to know over the past 2 year you know one or two years and they were smiling. They, you know, they were happy for those for that hour, two hours, and it, it was very, it was a very moving experience for me. That's cool. So next, uh, we next up we have uh, well, Summer Wars is uh, special to uh, Brina as well, um, and she will uh, explain why. And I, I was moved by this story, you know. Um, Here's a cut six. No, that that movie actually means a lot to me. I, uh, as far as my favorite roles uh, for anime movies by far, it's for sure Natsuki. Um, but it was very cathartic for me because my grandmother had actually. I, I was raised by my mom and my grandma. We, my grandma lived with us from the time I was four until she died, and she had died a couple years before we did that dub, and I dedicated my performance to her. Well, and it is. I mean, swearing aside, the occasional swearing aside. Uh, a, a very good family movie, very well done. It is, and yeah. I love how Natsuki's first first line is basically one of you know I don't remember the exact line, but asking someone to marry her. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, always uh, you know so, but no, um, like I said, I, I wanted to share that story because um, like I said, it, it does matter. And um, thank you. You know, like I said, I was just you know I I, I was the Elias. I was I'm between the I'm 
next to these two exchange students and not once do they look worried for, for the entire time. And, and a lot of people great. have fun, you know, so. Um, what sort of advice might you have to offer for someone looking, into, looking to break into voice acting as a career? I would definitely recommend just uh, learning how to act to begin with. Uh, a lot of people have the misconception that to be a voice actor means that you do cool voices all the time, but it's actually, it's more <laughs> hey. it's about bringing uh, truth to your performance. It's about bringing an honesty and a vulnerability to your performance and really, uh, I mean, showing a part of yourself um, and just offering it to the world. Uh, so the way that you learn how to do that is acting classes. So you don't have to just take voice acting classes. You can take film classes, you can take uh, theater classes, you know, uh, if you don't have money to take classes, then go into community theater. Every town has community theater, like, to some degree. So figure out a way to get on stage and start embodying characters, because even though it is just your voice, you still have to embody that character. And I, I will say that, um, you know, I would think theater, theatrical acting would be particularly uh, beneficial because you're not always mic'd for those performances. You know? That's so true. You, you know, and of course, then you have different styles of theater. You know, Shakespearean theater is a completely different kind of beast, but, you know... The, yeah. You know. Well, I actually, I'm a big fan, I'm a big promo a proponent of learning all different types of styles, because right. the thing is with anime, and it's kind of my argument when pe and any, if anyone ever says they don't like anime, it's just like, well, you just haven't seen the right one. Right. There's, There's really all different everyone, genres. Yeah, all different genres, and I think because of that, to be a versatile enough actor to work in all of those, I think it's better to learn all aspects of acting that you can before going into it. Yeah, like I said, I mean, uh, you can never know, like I said, different, the more tools in your box, the better off you are, and I, I agree I think that's you. true for anyone that wants to go into the entertainment field at all. The more, the more, because I don't, because, you know, the, the way that everyone I know that makes a living as a voice actor, they also have other stuff they do on the side. Like, for me, I adapt lyrics for anime songs uh, for Funimation, so that's um, kind of a nice side gig that whenever voice acting slows down then I have that to sort of fall back on and I know a lot of other actors who you know they'll adapt scripts and or uh, I know Eric Vale actually sells original scripts um, yeah it's there you, the more you know how to do the better right. <laughs> yeah so what <laughs> oh just don't even pay attention so <laughs> Uh, no, no, that that was really great though. But I, I do. Uh, we have a special guest uh, on the show tonight that wants to argue that you don't have to act uh, to do voice work. It's me, Bane. All you have to do is do a funny voice, and you're immediately <laughs> a character, Batman. Kenny. So. Kenny, no, no, no. We need Gordon. Where is Gordon? <laughs> we have to be hired. You don't need to know how to act to do voice acting. All you have to do is be the loudest person in the room. It's my modus operandi. There we go. <laughs> You're listening to Mike Check Radio with Adam Hebert. It's a little above their head. Okay. It's only for like us big thinkers. Mike Check Radio with Adam Hebert on Indie Media Weekly Radio.
hopeless when I miss you, knowing that I have somebody waiting for me. Even though I can't kiss you, can't hold you, just the thought of you's enough. Messages, cause I miss the timing's never right, but I'm still happy you tried. It's good to know you think of me, I think we could be unstoppable in stride. Hi, this is Tim Coramall from The Tim Coramall Show, and you are listening to IndieMediaWeekly.com. Extraterrestrial radio, all the power without the tower. Get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. Listen to Paul's Memory Bank live every Monday from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern right here on Indie Media Weekly. Your DJ, Paul, will serve up a mix of classic rock, pop, and novelty music all tied together with a weekly theme. That's Paul's Memory Bank, every Monday from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, exclusively on Indie Media Weekly. Extraterrestrial Radio, all the power without the tower. Light out, everybody. Every Sunday and Monday at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, Indie Media Weekly presents the Sci-Fi Double Feature with two old-time radio shows from the science fiction and horror genre. The Sci-Fi Double Feature, every Sunday and Monday at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on Indie Media Weekly. (laughs) 
Well, hello there. This is Kenny Pick. Thanks for listening to Indie Media Weekly. Be sure to check out my show, Turn Up the Night with Kenny Pick, live every Tuesday and Friday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on Indie Media Weekly. For those who dare. Attention, people of Earth. What's going Attention, on there? people of Earth. Do not be alarmed. Stand by for an important message. Stand by for an important message. And now, Mike Check Radio with Adam Hebert. Oh, please let it be fantastic. Of course. Yes, yes, yes. It's rather good, isn't it? Hey, I'm just enjoying the show. Inconceivable. I can't take it anymore. There's no need for that attitude. Don't make me go to the larder and unseal a tin of whoop ass. We came, we saw, we kicked it ass. How freaking cool is that shit? Great Scott. I reject your reality and substitute my own. Nice, right? I learned that one from you, guy. Bang it out. <laughs> we are going live. Yeah. Feel free to hang around for a while. Oh, God, this makes me happy. <laughs> so, in the spirit of Marvel acquiring uh, 20th Century Fox, now, it's, before al- we continue. it's almost inevitable... Yeah, I'm sorry. Did did any did did anyone do the research and see if it's been finalized yet? I know uh, they no, agreed it, to a deal. Yeah, well, I can, yeah, I can tell. I can tell you about this. I can tell you about this. It's, it's going to be about eighteen months, uh, a year, about a year to eighteen months before everything is finalized. So that gives time uh, for all of the Fox movies to keep coming out with the, you know the Dark Phoenix and New Mutants and Deadpool two. Um, so so that is all those are coming out. But the the other slated films for Fox are probably on permanent hiatus. So, but just to give background to anybody listening now or on the podcast, it's inevitable that at some point, uh, Marvel uh, and Disney are going to do one of two things. Somehow try and integrate the existing franchise into the MCU. Well, actually, or keep it completely separate. They might do that, too. Uh, if they see that these movies are making money, but I think I uh, what everybody's thinking right now is they're going to recast and start anew, so there's not all the baggage. Um, although I do have some really fascinating uh, reality gem ways that this could happen, <laughs> um, and uh, you know, and even involving some time travel as well. But uh, but yeah, so uh, you know, so we decided for fantasy film ball. We would say pick our dream casts for X Men that would work within the confines of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes, cool. Well, anyway, my question was because I had heard the deal, you know, that they agreed to the deal, but that there was some regulatory approval that had to happen. Yeah, all the all the legal governments are going to be worked out in the next twelve to eighteen months, but it's pretty solid. That's it. Okay. So anyway, uh, yeah. So basically, we yeah, like you said, we're gonna be we're our dream team, dream X Men team for the MCU. Right. Um, I went. Uh, I I, I kind of set the the standard for this is six central characters, 
Um, and uh, those being Professor X, Magneto, Storm, Jean Grey, Cyclops, and Wolverine. And as many um, as many uh, uh, wild cards as you wanted for additional characters. Okay. Um, I, uh, and, um, and, and, um, and, I'm sorry, Michelle, what were you going to say? I, I kind of verge from that. I have some of the central, but I want some more periphery characters. So That's okay. awesome. I love that. And uh, so, Adam, are you ready? Do you have the theme, the jingle? I should. One second, please. <laughs> <laughs> Hold, please. Do the thing. I could fake it while you wait. All right. Not that thing. He's asking for something completely different. Please do not confuse me at this sensitive time. Because it is missing. That is not helping either! We love you, Adam. Let me see. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Face bagger. I got fun. it. I got it. Here it is. Lights. Camera. Action. That's the same film. Ball. Oh, bitch, is this in 3D? No, but your face is. <laughs> that is great. Ta-da. Thank you, Kenny. You're welcome. Now play the... Okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You guys are just... There we go. Happy! Goes first. We love you, Adam. Call it, Adam. Call it, Adam. Who goes first? What character do you want to yes. do first? Huh. All right, let's do Cyclops, because that's at the top of my list, so it's going to be easiest to find. Uh, who, I don't uh, have one. Oh, okay. Uh, well, uh, Miles, what do you got for Cyclops? Yeah, Richard Hatch. Why not? Richard Hatch. Oh, so you're, uh, you're talking uh, Apollo from... Huh? Uh, Anybody that's tall, thin, dark hair can do Cyclops. I don't really yeah. see a... Apollo from the original Battlestar Galactica, who yes. just passed away yes. uh, in the last couple of years. Yes. So you're doing time-spanning. I'm, I'm really not that up on the on the young actors of today and knowing who... Uh, you know, I could just as easily I, say, I'm who's not... the guy that played the vampire in the Twilight... Uh, uh, you know, whatever. Sure, you you could do that, or you could just say, "I really like this movie." Oh, that guy that was in that movie. Go to IMDb, find his name, and there he is. <laughs> <laughs> IMDb, Wikipedia, what have you? I thought Richard uh, Hatch was. I thought Richard Hatch was the nudist from the first season of uh, <laughs> of um, what's that stupid reality TV show? Lost or Survivor? No, Survivor. Yeah. Uh, All right, who wants to go next? All right, uh, Jared Padalecki. There you go. That's a good one. Okay. Mm-hmm. From Supernatural. Yes. yes. He might be, I think he's like 36, so he might fit in, you know. Yeah. All right. Uh, who, wants to go, who wants to go next for Cyclops? Well, you, you call it. You call it. All right, then I'll go because mine's probably stupid. Okay. But uh, David right, Harbor go. from Stranger Things, a little, a little, a little leaner, but not like muscular for Hell, like he is, like he's going to be sheriff? for Hellboy. Yeah, the sheriff. I think he'd be okay. a decent, you know, no, no, no beard or stubble, 
just like I said, a little, little leaner. I think it could be a good Cyclops. Okay. Cool. Very cool. And I'll, I'll go next. Um, uh, mine are all, <clears throat> I think, age-appropriate for the mm-hmm. roles and currently active and I think would be awesome for the um, MCU. Uh, basically, what I thought is there are some characters, like the core X-Men, I think should be in their uh, mid to late 20s. Um, I believe that uh, Professor X and Magneto should be in their mid to late 40s. Um, and I thought some newer characters should be pretty young in their early 20s. Uh, well, newer in the sense is not the core original team. And, of course, Wolverine should be a little older than all of them. But yeah. for Cyclops, I thought... Who are you hey, calling he looks old, good Bob? In glass. <laughs> he looks good in glasses. Uh, uh, why can't I find it now? Daniel Radcliffe. Harry Potter himself. That, oh my <laughs> god, I can't believe I didn't think about that. That's cool. I mean, he's got the, he's got the, you know, he, he, he has a good build, he's thin, he's got chiseled features. I and, and The thing is, Cyclops needs to be the Captain America of the X-Men. He needs to be a leader and not some whiny emo weirdo the way they wrote uh, poor um, James uh, uh, Marsters. Was that his name? Yes. Um yeah, the way they wrote him in the movies, they really did a disservice because James Marsters was a perfect casting for that, and what they did with that character was a fucking crime. What but yeah, they, they yeah, isn't he a bit short? I wouldn't worry about that. Aren't you I, I don't a little think short it, to be you know, a stormtrooper. Uh, well, I, I wouldn't worry about that too much because originally <laughs> Logan was supposed, you know, Logan was supposed to be really short, and they cast Hugh Jackman, yes. who's taller than me. So, you know, I'm I'm not going to, you know, plus, you know, look at The Hobbit. Look at all those tall actors they made short. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> through, through the fine art Cat. of force perspective. Yeah. yeah. You know, Cat, do you, uh, well, look at Tom Cruise. They always make him look tall, except that Jack Reacher movie where he was Some like. elevator shoes to make him look like he's six foot three. A bodysuit sure. to make him 239. Yeah. Uh, get him some of those Putin pumps. Cat, <laughs> um, do you have a Cyclops for us? Muted. Yeah, she might be muted. Look at. I know she's doing double duty tonight, so. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll come do, back. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of. I'm just like not really up on current actors, but I don't know. Maybe like Eddie Redmayne. That could be good. That's cool. He's, he, he's in that age bracket too. He's like 30. <clears throat> All right, Adam. Next character. All right. Let's do the let's do uh Professor X. Oh, I have one of those. Yes. All right, Michelle, you're first. Ralph Fiennes. Ooh. Yeah. That's a good one. I yes. Yeah, good actor. Yeah. What's he, what's he known actor. for? He was uh, Voldemort. He played Voldemort. He, oh, he you're won. right. You mentioned him yeah. before. Thank you. Yeah. He also won I'm... the Oscar for The English Patient. Yes, he did. did see that, but I know who That's before he shaved his head. And his brother was uh, the... the Shakespeare in Love. No, no. His brother was in uh, yeah. The Handmaid's Tale. Was he in The Constant uh, Gardener, didn't, too? Didn't see that either. That I can't uh, tell you. Okay. Good choice no. in that. I know, I know he was in Schindler's List. 
But yeah. <clears throat> That's right. All right, Kenny, who do you got for uh, Professor X? Oh, I really love this. I love this so much. Um, Ewan McGregor. Interesting. That's a cool choice. Yeah. I like that Because he, he, he hasn't been working a, a ton lately in bigger films. You know, he's going to, you know, he's going to get the Obi-Wan Kenobi movie and everything, but get this man back in a franchise and do it right. And I think as an older Professor X, not too old, and you've got a, you, you know, you have a good run. He's going to be like the <clears throat> the Tony Stark, you know, you because, you know, look at, you know, um, right. uh, Downey Jr. is, you know, about 50. So Ewan McGregor, I think he's the same age as me, like 47 or something like that. Cast him. You you got him for a good 15, 20 year run, um, and boom, there's your there's your Professor X, and he looks okay with a shaved head. If you've seen Train Spotting, yeah, yes. All right, Miles, who's your Yul uh, Brenner? Yeah, <laughs> Didn't even let there me finish, go. you bastard. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you were going to ask me about my Professor X. Yes, but that doesn't mean... Never, never mind. <laughs> you said Miles. Well, you're right. Boom. Well, not no Telly Savalas? Uh, I like your Brenner's intensity <laughs> more than Telly Savalas. Telly Savalas oh played up a real psychopath really well. He's my new... Uh, he, you're my new Rob, aren't you? You're deliberately... You're, de- you're making a deliberately bad movie. <laughs> he's just having fun. What's wrong with your Brenner? Oh, your Brenner fi- was a fine actor. He would be... Uh, I think it... Back in the day, he would have made a great professor. Oh, my God. There's this movie called The Magnificent Seven, Adam. You need to see it. <laughs> yes. You're casting... So, basically, Miles is casting the 70s version of the X-Men right <laughs> oh now. Oh, my God. <laughs> I dig it. <laughs> Not making smart-ass comments about this will be the hardest thing I've ever done. <laughs> okay, Kat, All right, Eber. All right, I've got two possible for, possibles for Professor X: a Star Trek, a Star Trek era Leonard Nimoy. Okay. Or a younger, probably Lord of the Rings era Sean Bean, who for once won't die. <laughs> no, Professor X will have to die for for that purpose. <laughs> No, Sean Bean has lived in several movies. He's he, he you know, he's he's like the uh oh good god, I can't remember his name now. Um from Aliens. Uh, oh no. god, yeah. Bill Damn Paxton. it. It's Bill, Bill Paxton. Paxton. Yeah, he's like the Bill Paxton of movies, you know. They they live in some, just not very many. <laughs> the man <laughs> dies for live for a living. Let's put be brutally yeah. honest here. Um I on one hand Sean Bean brings the uh you know, again, the the British gravitas that you know Patrick Stewart and um, James McAvoy brought to the role. At the same time, I think that uh, Leonard Nimoy could bring some gravitas to the role as well. Good choice. You know who also dies a lot in stuff they're in? Harry Dean Morgan. Uh, Susan and I joke and call him Dead Dad. Uh, every time we see him, because he's the dead dad from Supernatural, he was the dead dead, dead dad from the new Batman movies. He's yes. the dead dad as, as the comedian in The Watchmen. Uh, he was the dead dad in that TV show Weeds, 
And uh, so far, he's, I don't know if he has kids in The Walking Dead, but Negan apparently is still alive. So, you know. <laughs> oh, wow. But, uh, Adam? So, anyway. Yes. Yes. Could you tell me the next uh, character you're going to ask us for so I can think of somebody to fluster you? <laughs> he really is stepping up to take Rob's yeah, place. Yeah, but, Cat, but, but who do you want for Professor X? Um, giving this one a little thought, the one that I came up with was Killian Murphy. That could and, be good. Oh, um, he From, was, um, he, Scarecrow in, um, and Sunshine. And Batman. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. He's intense. Yeah. He's intense. You know, he actually auditioned to be Batman uh, along with Christian Bale. Cool. Okay, Damn. next one. Let's do Storm. <laughs> oh, I don't have a Storm. Mm. Sorry. I've mentioned this one on this show mm -hmm. in the past when we first talked about this fantasy uh, film ball. And that is Lupita Nyong'o. Yes. yes. God damn it, that's my... <laughs> There's not that many actresses that, you know... Have that. I, I have to agree. Yeah. I think that's the actress to, pick her, to, to go with. Yep, stunning, beautiful... Yes. Although, uh, to be fair, I haven't seen any of the new actresses that they brought up in the in the Black Panther movie coming up. Some of them might be able to step up, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. I just. And if you wanted to go a little bit older with Storm, because she was a little bit on the older side, you could maybe even go with somebody like a um, like a uh, Viola Davis or something like that but i, I, I think her. lupita i think lupita is probably just like the perfect choice for that role all right yeah. well that was my they, pick yeah. so, so kenny who, who do you got uh natalie emmanuel from game of thrones who plays Sunday, uh danny's oh. uh, uh yeah. right hand that's, one. Oh, that's not bad either yeah that's yeah. a good yeah. one she she has not done a lot of stuff She's not in high demand for, you know, like Hollywood blockbuster work. She understands how to work within a franchise. She works well with an ensemble cast. Um, it, you know, uh, works so, well with Unix. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Very know, well. Can't yeah. forget you, yeah. the key member of X Men. Uh, that would be uh, the living Unix. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> I always love Marvel had the living tribunal and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> the living mummy. Uh, oh. But yeah, so uh, uh, Natalie Emanuel, Game of Thrones, all the way. Uh, but I do love Lupita Nyong'o, so that's great. Um, since, since I didn't have a storm, can I say my Wolverine choice? Sure. Well, we all got Wolverines coming yeah. up. Well, not oh, we didn't this, do but... Wolverine yet, did we? Well, let's just make no, that now, Michelle. We, we still need okay. Jean Grey. We need Jean Grey, Magneto, and Wolverine still. Yes. For our... So my, so my 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 Wolverine choice is Tom Hardy. Sorry, he's got the age, he's got the body, yeah. he's got the intensity. He'd be great. Here's one problem. He's yeah. He's what? Ven Tom Hardy is Venom in uh, in the the, the Spider-Man franchise, which is now part of the extended. Marvel Cinematic Yeah, but, but does, do you ever see him out of the costume? Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. He plays uh, Eddie. What, what's the uh, what's Venom's real name? Um, no, Eddie I, Brock. I still want Tom Hardy. I still want Tom Hardy. So it's my choice. <laughs> I want Tom Hardy. No, yeah, she get, oh, If she wants Tom Hardy, she gets Tom Hardy. Damn it! Right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm being a spoiler report for no it's reason. It's okay. It's okay. But I like Tom this Hardy. This is fantasy film ball. Yeah, I, I think he, I think he has the intensity. He's got a wonderful physique, <clears throat> and he can really yeah. put the shit down, which what is what Wolverine does. Because I I saw him in the uh, what was the oh god, it was a limited BBC series. I really liked him in. I can't remember the name of it now. He was also amazing as Bane. Well, no, Bane sucked. That was just, you know, well, no. What do you mean Bane sucked? Bane doesn't suck. Bane is amazing. Yeah, Bane can't suck because he's got that mask on. Yeah, no. Of course no. I can't suck. <laughs> yes. No, I like Tom Hardy. I think he's amazing. So. He's great. Yeah. Loved him ever oh, since the taboo. Shrek Nemesis. Wasn't he in Taboo? I, I didn't see it. I don't know. Okay. I like that series. So, Adam, you, you didn't have a Wolverine? I could not think of a Wolverine that wasn't you, Jackman. I have a Wolverine. and Go for it. Adam is going to kick himself when I bring this one up. Okay. And now, again, this is fantasy film ball because he's kind of tied in right now to the DC movies, but... Joe Manganiello. God damn it! Well, what's he famous for? Is it who else? Who else is? Um, isn't some? Isn't there somebody else who's double dipping? Uh, well, I guess technically, um, well, triple dipping really is Josh Brolin because he was Jonah Hex. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's Cable and Thanos. Are we going to have to go to a break soon? But um, Miles asked who Joe Manganiello is. He's going to be Deathstroke in the uh, uh, DC Universe movies. Ah, okay. Okay. Only I know who Deathstroke was. (laughs) They they introduced him at the end of Justice League. Oh, we haven't seen that yet. Yeah. Um, But... Uh, uh, yeah, so uh, I'll tell you. What, do you want to go to break and continue this after break? I, I have a. I, I think I, I have the blockbuster Wolverine. I think All I have right. the purple Wolverine. Yeah, because I have four so, more after the break. Well, so. Real quick, my Wolverine yeah. is Jensen Ackles. <laughs> See, I, I actually considered him, but I thought it, because I'm trying to do age appropriate, I think he's too old because Hugh Jackman started when he was 30, and Jensen Ackles is 40. Yeah, but Susan Wolverine was like, oh. is an old character. A, I, I'm, I'm teasing. Yeah. But, yeah. I know. I, but well, I thought I, Jensen Ackles was good. He's got the gruff voice. He's got the chiseled features. You know, yep. he's a little stocky. He's not that and, tall. No, he's not. And but no, the, the, but what I'm saying is, age appropriate for me is cast them to go for 10, 15, I, 20 I'm years sure. in the role. Yeah. So. You know, based on what what's come before, but no, Jensen Ackles is great. Uh, but like I said, you know, I just went a little younger. But Adam, uh, shall we break and then I'll yeah, uh, we're, we'll break and come back. Wolverine and continue. Yes. Me. I just need. Uh, what are we gonna play? Uh... Da na 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 na. 
Yeah, because my next ones are off, off, uh, off brand. All right. For Magneto. So for this break, in honor of birthday boy Talison Jaffe, who is who was Percy on Critical Role and is now Molly Malk, the <laughs> Tiefling, uh, what what's his cl- blood hunter? Uh, we're going to do I'm role so play. Mad about that. Why are you mad? <laughs> because I can't listen to it. Yes, you. Oh my god. <laughs> He's Sorry. not. Matt Mercer is not stealing your ideas. <laughs> no, but we've got like a psychic link, and we have the same ideas, and it's like freaking with my mind. <laughs> well, Miles, I guess now we know what to expect. Yeah. <laughs> mm, no, I, I'm not watching Critical Role. Yes. You bastard. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'll start watching it again. I just, I just, it just freaked me out the first time. I'm telling you, it's gotta be a coincidence. It has to be. It's I've a been coincidence. Working on this over over a year and a half, so <laughs> total coincidence. All right, <laughs> Jesus Christ! All right, and I'll tell you, my Wolverine right now. Let's just get it done and over with. All right. Kit Harrington, Jon Snow himself. Oh my! Oh my God. That's kind of cool. He's gonna need a job pretty soon. <laughs> and he's young enough. Uh, yeah, he's definitely young enough. And uh, you know, we're uh, he he's you know, um, Game of Thrones is coming to an end. He's dark. He can do dark and brooding. He can do complex emotional inner turmoil struggles and stuff, and um, and I, I love it. I, you know, I, I think that he would be great. Although his sideburn growing ability is not that great, that's okay. Prosthetic hair uh, yeah. can work wonders. Yep. So, but those deep smoky eyes gotta love that for a Wolverine, right? Oh yes. yes. And he's a savage fighter too. And he's got some really toned. Um... Muscle. Oh, have you seen him in that <laughs> with that Pom- that Pompeii movie he did? He was fucking ripped in that. Yeah, I haven't seen that movie yet, but you know. and he's shorter. He's shorter too. He's like five eight. That'd be cool. So, yep. You know. All right, back to it. We got a couple more characters yeah. in the main list. We have Magneto and Jean Grey left, right? Yes. Uh. Yes. With my Magneto choice, can I read my last three as well? Because they're not any of the mains. So. Well, well, well I have some that aren't the mains too, so we could go around the table with. I've with got that. a bunch right. of lists. Or, or, I got unless a list. you don't, unless you don't have. Uh, uh, I, wait, you, you don't have a Magneto. I have a Magneto. I do not have a Storm. I mean, not, not a Storm. Uh, a Jean Grey. Jean Grey. I don't have so a Jean Grey. We'll do Magneto next. All right. We'll do Magneto next. Who wants? Who wants to go first? I'll do Magneto. Michelle, Michelle. All right. There you go. Michelle. Yeah. Because mine's uh, digging deep into the past. Because he's an amazing British actor. He had such amazing range. And I really do not think the Hammer films um, portrayed him the way he should have. Although he was a great Grand Admiral um, Tarkin. So, Peter Cushing. Ooh. Yeah. There we go. Perfect. He would have been perfect. She's going into my stable of usuals. I love Peter Cushing's. He's one oh, of my uh, five favorite horror movie stars. I still, I, I, I'm gonna disagree with you on Hammer Horror though. I think they used him quite effectively. You they know, did, I, but he he could have had more range though. I think. 
Yeah, that is true. All right. Because Vincent Price had a bit, lot bigger range than he did. <clears throat> he even got a hammer. So. All right. Miles, what do you got for us? Nikolai, Coster, Waldo. Oh! Right, 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 right. Jamie Lannister. Jamie. Yes, I... Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh! I'm not... That's actually very good. That's a good choice for, for Magneto. Yeah, for a young Magneto, yeah. Age-appropriate, too. Well, well, he's he's about... I think he's in his mid-40s. He got that wonderful cleft chin, though. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't? All right. I'll go next. My my choice for Magneto is a younger, probably Princess Bride era, Christopher Guest. Bring some of that Count Rugen. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, that's fun. All right. Uh, do it. Huh? I'm sorry. He could do. He could still do it now too. I think so. Elder you know, yeah. All right, Mr. Pick, what do you got for us? Uh, I went, again, uh, uh, same age bracket as Professor X for this. Um, Jude Law. And and, and by the way, I love Michael Fassbender as Magneto. But Jude Law, of course, AI, Gattaca, upcoming as Dumbledore in the next Fantastic Beast movie. Watson. Um, And I I really think that... um, uh, Ewan McGregor versus Jude Law with all those moral dilemmas, but then again, I want those. I want that shit downplayed for the reboot of the X Men. I don't want it to be a constant struggle of the friendship and you yeah. know the frenemy thing. You know that needs to go away. There really needs to be a, th- these movies need to be about the team. They need to but be about the team. Here's the thing: is that. I get what you're saying. I I understand. However, at the same time, a lot of X-Men is is focused on the tragedy of their relationship, which is what, like I I said, you you know, I've said that that before. Well established, just like with Spider-Man, the tragedy of Uncle Ben. We don't retread that stuff. That stuff's been established. It can be considered, you know, periphery to the story, but don't let it get to where it's going because... Uh, it, 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 now, because I think it's a mistake that Mystique is like a central figure to the X Men, you yes. know, at the expense of characters like Cyclops, Jean Grey, and, and Storm, you know, or Kitty Pride, or any any of them. Oh, so. I I got a Kitty Pride for you tonight. Yeah, too. but well, but you uh, you yeah. want it to be the X Men versus the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, the yes. way it was originally. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so my Magneto. I, yes. I'm going to go slight, slightly older with Mads Mikkelsen. Oh, I like it. One. I like it. Yeah. That absolutely would work. Like like Nikolai, he's uh, Danish. He's just a few years older. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's good. I like that a lot. Oh, yes. The guy from Hannibal. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh yeah, and the, and the villain from Doctor Strange, Galen Erso in Rogue One. Yep. And bingo, Rogue One, right there. Yep. So speaking of conflicted, you know, characters, you know, um, the very Magneto like uh, there. Um, I wouldn't so say the though that one... Galen Erso was very conflicted. He was 
pretending to be on their side. Mm-hmm. He was... Yeah, well, uh, I'm saying it fits into the wheelhouse of that kind of what you have to do, the go okay. along to get along thing. Magneto did that from time to time, albeit, uh, you know, go along to get along with the good guys for a while. Um, yeah. So the last one in the in the big six we had picked is Jean Grey. Who yeah, has I don't. Gene I don't have a change. Red. I don't have I a like change. I like the current actress. I, I I've got one. Okay. Saoirse Ronan. I I'm not familiar. What what was she in? Well, right now she's getting a lot of uh, publicity for um, Lady Bird. She was also in Brooklyn. Okay. And she's mid to late twenties. So so. Kind of age appropriate. It's a good one. That's a good one. Um, yeah. So I just googled her. So I'm. Uh, yeah. Very cool. Um, mine is uh, uh, Juno Temple, who was in Maleficent as one of the fairies. She was also in Horns opposite uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Okay. Yes. And she was in Black Mass with Johnny Depp, and uh, most recently, she was in one of those um, uh, Electric Dreams episodes, that kind of Black Mirror-type series on Amazon, uh, like, uh, Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams. Um, I, I think she really has, uh, you know, I don't know, she, she, she has a lot of depth in her acting abilities, uh, and she's got, you know, just... I don't know that that kind of wide-eyed, uh, you know, uh, but soulful um, presence that I think could work. But I do really like I like the the actress uh, who plays Sansa. I can't remember her name. I do like Sophie her. Turner. I mean, and this is yeah, this is yeah, this is kind of the painful thing about this is because I really love a lot of the casting for the new current the current X Men franchise with McAvoy and Fassbender and Sophie Turner. Um, uh, but it, it, like, it, and even the kid who plays Quicksilver—I can't remember his name—but I, I cannot stand the kid who they cast as Cyclops. Um, uh, you know the the, uh, yeah that that <laughs> that character, and I, I really don't like what's his name as Beast either. I think that he he's the wrong Hank McCoy. You know, yeah. yeah. I didn't so. really care for Kelsey Grammer. He was okay at the time, but I'd rather have somebody. Anymore. Yeah. yeah, I do have a beast, a, a kitty pride, and a rogue, but we'll get to that when. Every, uh, so, anybody else have a Jean Grey or no? Yeah, uh, the only one I can think of is Senia Solo, and she's not that famous except for uh, to Michelle and I. She she was uh, Kenzie in Lost Girl. Ah, okay, yeah. Susan likes Lost Girl. Yeah, that's that's a good one. I liked her a lot in that. Yeah. So, uh, Kenzie, yeah, she would get <laughs> Kenzie <laughs> for Jean Grey. That's Miles' pick for Jean Grey. So, she he said she said okay, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, I guess we're down to wild cards at this point, right, Adam? Yes. So, who has the Kitty Pride? I do. Well. Uh... I I would stick with Ellen Page on that, but I like Ellen Page. So I do love her, but they they totally threw that character away. 
they I mean Kitty don't Pride, punish her for the poor choices no, no, of the production. The writing. It was the writing. You were totally right, Kat. I'm not I'm not punishing her, but the thing is uh, Kitty Pride in, in in my casting needs to be younger. Early 20s. She needs to be one of the youngest members of the X-Men. That's yeah, she should be. Way it was. Yep. She she should be, but Ellen looks young for her age too. True. This is true. I, I won't, uh, you know, and I do love her, but I'm gonna. I'll just do mine first because somebody else who's coming up on the end of their franchise currently right no, now. No, 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 no. Saying Daisy Ridley. Okay, thank God. Daisy Ridley, Ray from uh from Yes, Power I know who she is. I just yep. thought you were going for mine. I was like, no, 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 no. Just trying to evoke but, a reaction but, other than, other than whew. See, <laughs> see, I see her as, uh, to me, she seems older than Ellen Page does. So She's only like 22, but. But, you know, appearances. Oh, it's also acting as well. Yeah. Acting. And, you know, makeup and that wardrobe and all that stuff. I, I, I really just think, I, I, but I don't disagree with you. I really like Ellen Page. Um, that's that's awesome, you know. And But the thing is, they've already kind of cut them out. I don't think they're going to go back to it. But again, my fantasy film ball is this could potentially land on the desk of somebody, you know, an executive at Disney, and they'd be like, yeah, okay, looks good, let's do it. Green light it. So, <laughs> um, and, and I want to see her as a central character. I want to see, you know, oh, yeah. not, a not a whole bunch of students, like, swirling around these main characters. I want to see a young X-Man trained by the, the senior members of the team without a whole bunch of back you know, backstory and stuff like that. And I also want to see Wolverine and, uh, and Kitty pride interact a lot, you know, because they were like, they were like Batman and Robin for the longest time in the X-Men. Yes. Yeah. So I want that, not Jubilee, Kitty pride. Right. All right. Anybody else have a Kitty pride? I do. Oh, No. What's yours, Adam? Well, I was worried you were going for this one when you said end of franchise, but uh, she she's shown a lot of talent as an actress. Uh, her brief stint in Doctor Who really impressed me. I'm going to go with De De uh, Maisie Williams. Maisie Williams. Yes. Okay. I knew that's where you were going, Adam. I'm just... I don't see her in that part well, that, that's Adam's call that's his, yeah. that's his team so that's a good one I, it's not a bad one it's not a bad one at all but again you know that would be double dipping because she's Wolfsbane in New Mutants right now but that's going to be a one off if this deal goes through so yeah. you know the, I or, felt or they of... might that's one that might be loosely connected enough that Disney might decide to say, hey, if it does well, let's keep this little horror franchise going, you know? Okay. Fair enough. All right. Any other Kitty Prides? Not me. Nope. Anybody have a beast? I do. No, I do not. 
Who's your beast, Adam? Well, I, I alluded to the Princess Bride earlier with a Christopher Guest as my mag- younger Christopher Guest as my Magneto. And I think that the perfect, you know, again, fresh off of the Princess Bride with all that training for the what is probably the greatest sword fight scene ever, Carrie oh, Elwes. Oh, yes. Because yeah. think about it, fencing is all about agility, and that's Beast's thing. His strength yeah. is, he's not like buff. He he's a, his sort of strength. I mean, yeah, he's stronger than he looks, but he's. All, I mean, the reason why he was called the Beast is he's very agile. He's very fast, mm-hmm. and, and his I th- yeah. and his appearance. But and so I'm thinking that fresh off of the Princess Bride, with all that training for a, a, an art that is based in agility and grace, I think yep. I think a princess, a post Princess Bride, Carrie Elwes. Would be yeah. and I and I I teased I you know what I teased the wrong thing to you earlier Kenny because I know I said he would be I think I said he would be my gambit, but I changed my gambit mm. before I laid down. And so, he speaks with a British <laughs> accent. Yes, he does. Unlike other Robin Hoods. That's right. So yeah, I think well, Carrie um, would be a good beast. Yeah. There you go. Mine, uh, again, uh, now, I, I thought about this uh, a lot because I, I didn't mind Kelsey Grammer as Beast. And I almost kind of thought that Beast might have kind of been one of the, the – and I know, you know, in the comics, Beast was right there with Cyclops, Iceman, Jean Grey in the very beginning. But I kind of like the idea of somebody that helped <laughs> Professor X set the school up, somebody a little younger than him. The man in the uh, chair, kind you know, of, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it kind of a, you know, right-hand man, you know. So yeah. I like the idea of, of Beast being a little bit older. Um, and and I literally thought this, Michelle, you'll appreciate this. When I was watching the movie Bright, okay, uh, there there was the, the character named Kandamir, who was the government's agent guy. Oh uh, yes, was an elf, who was an elf played by Edgar Ramirez, who had pointy ears and blue hair. Yeah, but he was a <laughs> dick. <laughs> well, yeah, but the thing is, but if you look at Edgar Ramirez, he's got a broad jaw. He's got you know the the kind of yeah he could pull know, off the professor aspect very the, easily. Rugged the rugged features, and oh, we're also you know he's Latino, so introduce a little more yeah. diversity into the cast as well. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but I think he would be uh, a great beast, aka Hank McCoy, and uh, he like looks good with he looks good with blue hair and pointy ears. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and he's he's not tied to any big franchises franchises right now, and he's only forty years old. So uh, cool. that would be a good run for him behind the makeup. And sure. really, I think that they need to not overdo the makeup so much. You know, they they really need to cut down on the fake fur and shit. Just give him long blue hair and blue skin and, you know, some stubble or something. Kind of like, uh, what's his name in Guardians of the Galaxy? Adam, um, um, with the arrow that whistled. Oh, Yondu. Uh, Yondu, yeah. yeah give him a little stubbly. Don't, don't go all crazy with all the fake fur and shit. That looks stupid. Um, so, and cut down on blue mutants in X-Men, please. (laughs) Just cut down on blue mutants. Uh, but yeah, and I only, uh, after that, I don't know if anybody else has, uh, anything, but I have Rogue and I'm done. I have a night, 
Nightcrawler. I have a rogue. Uh, okay, here's what I got for for uh, extras: Jubilee, Rogue, Gambit, Emma Frost, and Juggernaut. Jesus, yeah. you went. Yeah, off. I have a, I have a Gambit, a Psylocke, and a Lady Deathstrike. Wow. So our rogues, and then everybody. Uh, uh, we should all do the rogues, and then everybody uh, unloads all their bonus stuff. All right. Sure. All right. So, rogue. Uh, I'll, I'll go first. Uh, rogue okay. Brie Larson. Brie Larson. She was in uh, Kong Skull Island. She's been yes. in a bunch of other stuff. She was a journalist in Kong Skull Island, um, which was an enjoyable film. Uh, it was. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I also love the fact that Samuel L. Jackson got killed mid-motherfucker. Oh, I'm sorry. Spoilers. Yeah. Well, we, we actually well, have a tape. We have not watched it yet. But yeah. Here's the thing is sorry. that you'll notice that, you know, it, it's just like with the Godzilla film that they're kind of redoing King Kong as a force of nature, that he's there. You know, he has a purpose. And the people who disrespect that purpose are the people who die horribly. Have you? Did you notice that? I, I did. I did. Yeah. So, and, and I, I'll tell you what, I absolutely am in love and was in love with uh, um, Anna Paquin as uh, Rogue. Suki! Uh, yes, I did like her as <laughs> um, that. So, hey. I loved her as Rogue. She did a magnificent job. I loved the chemistry with her and, Wol- you know, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Um, that was great, um, but uh, and it sucked that she got cut out of Days of Future Past. But, but uh, I think get... uh, oh, Brie Larson kind of has this a similar look to um, to her, does, so I, yeah. that would be a, a, a nice little hat yeah. tip. Almost. I, I I will say she's already uh, cast as Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh shit, cool. she is. She is. Fuck, I screwed that one up. I I forgot she was cast as Captain Marvel. That's right. Yeah, I had to look it up because I knew she was cast in one of the movies, but I couldn't remember the parts. Yeah, I think Captain Marvel is going to be good. Uh, May I also point out, however, that Kenny, I understand you're you're, you're, uh, disappointed that they cut out Rogue, but there is an entire different version of the movie called The Rogue Cut. You can pick it up for like 15 bucks. So, there you go. That's true. I think I've seen it. But, and I actually you think know, it improved a, it on the original, you know. I actually think it improved on the original a little, which is hard to do, because, you know, like I, said, like I said before, Days of Future Past was a very ambitious movie, and there were whole, all sorts of ways it could have gone wrong, and yet it all went right. And so it's going to be really hard to improve on that, but I think the road cut actually did. All right, so I'm going to revise my mind since uh, because I, I thought of her as well. Uh, 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 so just real quick, um, what's um, Fifty Shades of Grey, Don Johnson's daughter? Dakota uh, Johnson. Dakota, Dakota Johnson. Uh, yeah. I'll take her as Rose. I, I, was, I was thinking of her, and I was also thinking of Dakota Fanning. Oh, that's not bad at all. Not bad either, yeah. My my uh, rogue is uh, Felicity Jones. That works too. I did. Right. Oh, oh wait, it's my turn, isn't it? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, my rogue is a younger, uh, maybe pre Jurassic Park era Laura Dern. Not bad. Yeah. 
Uh, no, I like that a lot. Actually, a, a young <laughs> Laura Dern, uh, like a, a, a Blue Velvet era Laura Dern as Jean Grey would have been awesome. Yeah, But I'm just saying, like, maybe yeah. Jurassic Park era, but, you know, if if not Jurassic, mm-hmm. pre, either pre or Jurassic Park era Laura Dern. Well, Blue Velvet was like, what, six, seven years before yeah. Jurassic Park? Yeah. yeah. Blue Velvet would be yeah, covered by my vision. Blue Velvet would be yeah. covered by yeah. my vision. There you go. Yeah. Can I can I say my gambit real quick? Yes. A young Scott Bakula. Okay. Ooh. That's interesting. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's got the accent. He's he's done the accent very nicely, so. All right. So uh, Scott. Yeah. My my gambit would be he's no longer on this mortal coil, but uh, John Philip Law. Um. Yes. He he was. He was Calgon in the cheesy movie Space Mutiny, but he was also Diabolic in the movie Diabolic. Um, ah. and, and he was uh, in Barbarella. I would also like to ask, you know, my, not I don't have a pick for Gambit, but I do have a fantasy for Film Ball that people stop fucking talking about Channing Tatum as Gambit. <laughs> oh, yes, please. Stop. Yes. No. Stop now. I yes. don't think it's, it's over. It's not going to happen. Done. It's not going to happen. Oh. Well, and and to me, Gambit kind of falls outside of my era with the uh, X Men, so I didn't really even try to come up with one. Yeah, I I didn't. Uh, he's cool. I, I understand the character a little bit, but Channing Tatum is—he would be like a better Colossus than he would be, uh, you know. Heck yeah. Uh, yeah. Gambit. I mean, Gambit's like a live kind of, you know. Well, uh, well, Gambit, but Gambit, but I don't think he could pull off the accent for Colossus. Oh no, I don't. I don't think so either. <laughs> Have you seen those outtakes? There's a. I think there's a video. I, I think it's. Um, oh yeah, yeah. What do, what do you call it? The um, uh, honest trailers about Magic Mike. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh. Oh yeah. Look up honest trailers, Magic Mike, and <laughs> oh, it's so great. He's a bad actor. <laughs> Yeah, I'm 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 a big well. I I saw the GI Joe movie, so. <laughs> oh God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Were you sick in 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 like blindfolded and spun around in the theater and given a free ticket and shoved in? Is that what happened? No, I I went to see it right <laughs> away because uh, you know the nostalgia for the the cartoon, and then I went and I saw it, and it's like oh. God, this is awful. <laughs> yeah. I also had an alternate for uh, Cyclops, which was Joseph Gordon, uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt, who was Cobra Commander or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Christopher Eccleston was Destro. <laughs> <sighs> that was awful. That was so awful. So much wasted talent in that. Let me put a put this ma- weird magic helmet on you in a submarine, and then you'll be upset. Before we go too far over, I just really wanted to throw my last two in there just for the hell of it. Lady Deathstrike, Karen Fukuhara. I know she was in Suicide Squad, but I really liked her. I thought she was she could amazing. Be a good, yeah, she could be a good Lady Deathstrike. All right. Um, well, hold on, hold on. Michelle squad. had Psylocke, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Psylocke. Psylocke's an old actress. She's no longer around, but I think she'd be stunning for the role. She's not the best actress in the world, but I just love her looks. Carolyn Monroe. 
Ooh. She was in Dracula in 1972. Um, uh, she was in some really crappy sci-fi movies. She's just an amazing-looking woman. That's all I can say. I know what you're talking about. She was in that one Mystery Science Theater movie that was a horrible knockoff of Star Wars. Yes, she was. That'll be on the stars. Yep. Oh. All right. um, re- really quick, let me throw my uh, Nightcrawler in there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, not many people are going to be familiar with him unless you've seen Sense8, but my pick is Max Moth, who played uh, Felix, the uh, the buddy of Wolfgang's. Ah, interesting. Oh, I, I just had a last-minute thought for Nightcrawler 2. Michael Sarah, comic relief. It could work. All right. No. Uh, <laughs> I'm just not a big Michael Sarah fan. I have no idea who he is. <laughs> Sorry. Scott he was Pilgrim. Development Scott Pilgrim. George, uh, George Michael, uh, Scott Pilgrim, um, and uh, he was in Twin Peaks uh, season uh, uh, The Return. He was in Twin Peaks The Return as uh, what? Andy and what's her name? Brando. Uh, son. Oh, Brando. okay. Now no, I understand. See, Wally. I told you I'm horrible with names and faces. Wally so. Brando, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I understand who that is now. I'll, yep. I'll shut right. up. I'll shut up now. All right. I'll go through my list real quick. Uh, for Jubilee, uh, who it, it's very well established that she's Asian American in the comics, I went with a relatively new face. Uh, you know, great actress, but I until recently she was not on my radar. Kelly Marie Tran from Star Wars. Rose. Rose. Yes, Rose, definitely. Um, as Emma Frost, uh, Lena Hetty. Okay. And finally, as Juggernaut, I cannot for the life of me pronounce this man's name, but the man who plays the mountain. Oh, oh, yeah. Like, Wayang Glug Lane. You know, I had one uh, for Emma Frost, too, but I didn't put it down because I thought it might be too many. But I thought Nomi Rapace from uh, uh, Alien, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Prometheus, uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. But see, okay. here's, a, you know, here's the thing is that. Emma, you know, if you, if we want to go with your goal of not necessarily sidelining the relate the relationship between Professor X and Magneto, but just kind of be like you know not at the forefront, having the Hellfire Club as, as villains might help with that. Oh yes, so. sure. But uh, again, I I think what we need to do is get away just get away from the formula of. You know, somehow Magneto's going to be a dick or he's not going to be a dick in one of the movies. Get away from that. Get some real villains going on. Get arcades. Get, you know, have a movie where, you know, arcade shows up and just starts, you know, fucking with him. Or, you know, Mr. Sinister. Or, or you know, go back and, and do a real Evil Mutants. You know, like the first movie w- was almost kind of like that. But, just, you know, just change it up, you know. I mean, there's a lot of good formulas that work in some of the Marvel movies now, but you know, take some chances and don't don't get stuck in that same rut that I think the X Men franchise has been flailing in for so long. 
you know, because the, the, it's always been so much more than just the relationship between Magneto and Xavier. And the whole Mystique thing, I love you, Jennifer Lawrence, but, you know, she, you know, she knew she needed to get out of that contract earlier. She said she got screwed. She's yeah. sick of the makeup, you know, and, and again, she Mystique was never a central character to the X-Men. No, I she mean, wasn't. In yeah. a few stories, in a few stories, but I mean, Colossus was a bigger part of the X Men, you know. And if you if you need varieties and 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 villains, you always you always can bring stuff back from Wolverine's career too. He had a lot oh, of villains yeah. that are hunting him down. Well, so. shit. I mean, hey, how about a movie where Loki goes at the X Men? Because you remember that storyline from the eighties. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, that was amazing. <laughs> you know. I, I want some Alpha Flight action. Damn it. I'm sorry. Yeah, that was actually, my, that was my favorite comic. So. I also want to see the I want to see X Men in space. Bring Star Jammers in. Bring in what was the alien race name that was kind of a knockoff of the Xenomorphs from Alien? Um, the Brood. Yeah. Ah, right, right, right. The X-Men Brood. X Men fighting aliens. Yes. Which would be a great end for the Shi'ar as well. Yeah. Yeah, the Shi'ar, and and that's yeah. the thing too. Like now, apparently, the Skrulls are part of the. Uh, MC. The uh, Phoenix, Phoenix, the uh, Dark Phoenix movie. No, and no, no, they're no, also no. The Captain Marvel. I no, haven't heard. I heard the oh, okay. The scrolls are the are the Speak- alien race. In Since- the Why Dark- the hell? Why would I don't they know. be there? They were FF. Sure. All right. Before before well, we got so- yeah we got to start. Wrapping this up, but since you mentioned Loki, I just had a brilliant Kenny. You struck me with with inspiration, lightning. Let's Not say, man. let's let's say that Chris Hemsworth decides to extend his contract, but Hiddleston doesn't. Here's the perfect way to handle Loki. They could go with Kid Loki from the from the later runs of Thor, from like what was it, like the 2010 about after everyone yeah. in Asgard was reborn on Earth, and. Uh-huh. What do you what do you think of Phil, uh, Finn Wolford as as Kid Loki? Uh, from, who is from, that? Not from familiar. Stranger yeah, Things. I'm not familiar with it either. I'm a... uh, yeah, maybe, maybe that might that might work. He was also. I'm not familiar it. with the Kid Loki thing, so I can't even. I'm not that familiar with it either. Uh, but I I, I kind of know it. But yeah, that, that that could be fun. I'm just pitching it. Just anyway. Time for go to bed. Right, it is late. Shall we retire? Goodbye, my friends. Goodbye to you all. I'll never forget you. Live in peace. Goodbye, all. Stay happy and good luck. On our way to world. I'll look at you. 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 We forgot the archival audio of Adam's interview with Lex Lang, Robot 4. What should we do? Just tack it onto the ending, Robot 3. No one will notice. That sounds really half-assed. Better than no-assed. Fair enough. Let's get this fucking job over with so we can take over the world. The following interview with voice actor Lex Lang was recorded live at Anime Week in Atlanta 2016 on Saturday, October 1st. Lex Ling has been involved in the anime and voice acting industry since 1994. 
You may know him as Sanosuke Sagara in Roroni Kenshin. He's also, do- he's also done work for Magic Knight Ray Earth, as well as countless other animes. He was also Harley Q in one of my all-time favorite RPGs, Digital Devil Saga Avatar Tuner 1. Lex Lang and his wife Sandy Fox currently run the Love Planet Foundation, a nonprofit organization which teaches children about the importance of recycling, as well as water awareness. Hello, hello, one, two, three, yes. 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 Okay, so uh, first of all, um, I'm here, sitting here today uh, with uh, Mr. Lex Lang, uh, who you've been around for quite a while in the anime scene, if I'm not mistaken. I have, in the anime scene for about 20 years right yes. now. Um, I'm, I have enjoyed a lot of your work. Oh, thank um, you. And uh, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to sit down with me. I know uh, at these events you guys are probably crazy busy, so uh, I really do appreciate well, it. Um, my pleasure. Anyway, um, like I said before, I work with uh, Indie Media Weekly. I do a weekly podcast where I kind of ignore the advice of Egon and Ghostbusters and I cross the streams. So we do <laughs> entertainment and a little political. Um, but uh, this is, you know, this week is purely for enter- for the entertainment part. Oh, fun. Um, anyway, um, I came with some, I asked people, you know, what sort of questions should I ask these people? And the question I was said you need to ask this most was, what made you decide to pursue voice acting? I, there had to be some particular reason. Well, it's... Um it's, it's a kind of a long story, but I'll condense it for you. Um, I've been an actor my whole life, so it's kind of a natural extension of acting because it's voice acting. But I had never thought of being a voice actor. Um, I'd done a lot of theater and, and some on-camera stuff. And it was through, um, I was going to school at the Musicians Institute uh, after I went to uh, high school and college. I, I went to get a degree in music at the Musicians Institute. And while I was there, I got hired to do, to go show some actors in a film how to look like they knew how to play the guitar. So while I was there, the director asked me if I wanted to be in the film because he liked what I was doing. He said, I'll switch the guy who's playing lead guitar now to the drummer and you can be the lead guitarist since you do it well or whatever. And so uh, on that shoot, on that film, which was called Rich Girl, um, I met another actor named Bentley Mitchum and through our friendship, um, I ended up meeting a girl named Amy Jo Johnson, who... I'm familiar with her work. Pink the Power Ranger. first Pink Ranger, um, and uh, she had a long stint on, um, I forget the Canadian show. Um, I- I'm sorry. No, it's the one with the, with, uh, now we're both forgetting. Um, yeah, my mom is, was a fan of the show, so... I know which one you're talking about, the curly hair, the girl with the curly hair and all that, yeah. Anyhow, when I met her, she wasn't on that show yet. One of us will remember that name, hopefully, by the end of this interview. Um, (laughs) But uh, she heard me do some impressions, like celebrity impressions, and she said, my, you'd be a great voice actor. So she introduced me to Scott Pagter, who was the producer of Power Rangers, uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and he brought me into the loop group of that, which is... Basically, when the monsters are attacking all the people who are running for their lives, there's a group of actors that comes in to dub those voices. Right. And um, that's kind of how I got my first break, uh, was, through, was through Amy Jo. And then um, shortly thereafter, I met my, who's my wife, another really talented voice actress, Sandy Fox. Uh, I met her, and she helped me get my demo together and helped me get an agent and made sure I was kind of up to par on the business side of voice acting. <clears throat> and uh, the rest is sort of history. Right. Well, I, um, I will say, I, 
one thing, one of the reasons why I do tend to enjoy, you know, people was like, how do you know all these voice actors' names? What I hear is important to me. Yeah. You know, I've, I've been listening to old-time radio for the longest time. Not be, You know, be, I love that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I basically <laughs> absorb everything through the years. So, you know... Some of those radio shows are fantastic. Oh, too, those yeah. Those old classic radio huge, shows. Yeah, I do... We do... People well, don't realize it, but... Yeah, and there's so much that was lost um, because, you know, perhaps... But anyway, um, I've been told this is like asking what your favorite child is, but I'm still going to ask... Uh, which of the roles you have done so far would you say is your favorite? I know it's hard. <laughs> well, I mean, the real answer is all of them, but but um, I'm kind of a fanboy also for Star Wars, and so I've had a, a, a blessing of a uh, having been cast as Han Solo in, in many Star Wars video games. I've been cast as the stormtroopers that go along with you on the single, you know, the uh, one per single person shooter games. Um, I've been cast as uh, Poe Dameron in the new Lego uh, Resistance Rises short form series that is on Disney XD, plus a bunch of other characters in that's those six episodes, um, FN two zero zero three and a couple of others. So that's that's a favorite because I'm such a fan. Um, I was I had the privileged to play Batman a few times in my career um, and I'm also the voice of Batman for all the Mattel toys so when you buy the the cowl yeah um, and you play the little thing you know don't go anywhere you're no match for me Joker those kinds of things that's me and I have <laughs> to say you do when you did that you sound a lot like Kevin Conroy who well, I, in my opinion Kevin Conroy is like the Batman yeah, he's uh, like yeah. the best Batman it's like anyway. I don't say he's my personal you know not just he's my, my personal, personal Batman, Batman. yeah <laughs> Mark Hamill's my personal Joker you yeah know. exactly and uh, you know, like I said that was that was good you know um, so, so I kind of like he, he created the mold for Batman in my opinion you know, there's Christian. Christian Bale had a lot of more of the gravel and everything going on, but I think just the sort of the the, the meat of the um, what's the right the, the confidence, sort of that yeah. confidence, that wherewithal. That that does it for me as far as the Kevin Conroy depiction of Batman. Well, I said you, that you know I'll have to see some of your Batman you know Batman material because I didn't know you'd been Batman. Uh, yeah. You so know. if you if you look up Batgirl Year One. It's a, a motion comic on iTunes. You can see or listen to me as Batman in that. Of course, all the Mattel toys. And then um, if you... I did a, a different Batman in um, Batman Brave and the Bold. Uh, the guy who plays Batman is a guy named Diedrich Bader. He was on um, uh, the Drew, Drew Carey show. show. Yeah, he played sort of the dimwit character. Yeah, now I know who you're talking about. Yeah, real nice guy. Super good Batman for that show, too. And there was a... A story arc where Alfred gave his—I'm sorry—where Alfred's telling the story of when Batman got older and he gave his cape and cowl to Robin, who had become old enough to take over the Batman role. So I played Robin, who became Batman in that story arc, and I got to fight as Batman, uh, fight Joker's grandson. So, but we, but that that voice wasn't Kevin Conroy at all. In fact, there's a funny story behind that. When I got the script, I was like, "Oh, great!" You know, there's a scene where like. He's standing on the edge of a building, and Joke, Joker's grandson's like, who do you think you are, anyway? And he goes, I'm Batman, right? So <laughs> yeah, no. I was, like, so ready for that. I'm Batman. Like, in that cool Kevin Conroy mm -hmm. deep voice thing. When I got to the session, I did it, and she goes, oh, that was lovely. That was really wonderful. But you're still Robin. And she goes, you got to wimp him up a little bit, like, make him, you know, he's, he's not quite as... Gravitas. He's not, yeah, you know, he's not, that. he's still settling in a little, He's I guess. settling in a little, so I said, okay, let me try it. 
I'm Batman. And she goes, no, a little more, I'm Batman. And she goes, can you do it just like if you're talking with your normal higher pitched voice? <laughs> and so I was like, I'm Batman. And she's like, perfect. <laughs> so I was like, but no, I wanted to go, I'm Batman. I want to be Kevin Conner. <laughs> no. um, like I said, I, you know, DC Animated Universe is to me the gold standard for American animation. Yeah. That um, I'm a huge <laughs> fan of Gargoyles. I, you know, Keith David is one of my favorite voice actors. Oh, me too. too. He's you a know, great guy too. He's really fun. Yeah, you know, I, I he's like I said, from what I've read, and for, you know, I enjoy. I loved him as Goliath, and I loved him in uh, They Live. You know, that fight scene I guess is still the yeah. the longest fight scene in movie history. And, and if you ever listen to Ken Burns, I'm jazz, so sorry. Ken Burns' jazz documentary on jazz. That's Keith David narrating the whole thing. It's like 25 episodes. Yeah, he also did a, Fantastic. Um, Fantastic. a, a comic book uh, documentary for History Channel. It was, I mean, he was really good. He's one of the greatest narrators, in my opinion, that's oh, yeah. still uh, out there doing it. Yeah, he could. I mean, he could be the next James Earl Jones if he, if he decided, hey, I want, you know, I want... Um, I'm sorry, I kind of lost my uh, my way. No worries, um, no worries. Uh, do you have any advice for people who might want to break into uh, voice acting? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, don't get into it because you are thinking like you're going to do it to make money. Like I'd say don't do that for any vocation mm -hmm. just because it's money. Um, do it because you love it. That's the number one thing. And then... Um, don't do it if someone just told you you have like you have an interesting voice you should be a voice actor if it's never occurred to you before to act or do anything like that you're probably not going to be happy doing it just because you have an interesting voice um, but the number one thing I would recommend and I have a friend his name is D Bradley Baker he's another voice actor uh, he worked he did a lot of work on Avatar the last Airbender I believe yes he did and many 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 well, yeah, many many that's many the more most yeah all of them he's done every animated series probably <laughs> no he's easily one of the busiest working animated guys out there and uh, but anyway he like us are often asked how do you break into the business? What should you do? What's your advice for voice actors? That sort of thing. So he created a site that is IWantToBeAVoiceActor.com. It's that simple. IWantToBeAVoiceActor.com. All the letters like you would write it out. And it has from A to Z everything you need to know both to get into voice acting and to succeed as a voice actor. So that is by far the greatest resource that any voice actor could do. Like I said, I'm so sorry about that. And some texts <laughs> along forgot, the way. I forgot to mute. I've, I've been good about muting my phone before I start, and I guess I wasn't as good this time. Um, you will pay. You'll pay for this. I, no, I mean, the, the thing <laughs> is that, you know, I never thought I'd be doing radio. When I was a kid, my dream, paleontology. Oh, yeah? You know, but oh, I didn't cool. have the, I don't have the, you know, the, folk, you know, the sort of, Attention details. So, so you went and saw Jurassic World instead, and got pretty into much, it. yeah. I mean, I still follow it because science, Earth science. That's my. Oh, you that's know, cool. I can. I grew up going to the Field Museum in Chicago on field trips, and that's what got me jump started. Oh, awesome. And, um, I also do a music show, uh, Midnight Sun. You have the other curve for that. Um, so basically, one of the th I thought this was a more interesting thing to ask uh, the people I interviewed. Basically, kind of like build a short block of music if you if you were willing to. Uh, it doesn't have to be from your body of work, but just um, you know, music. We specialize in J-pop and J-rock and you know, movie music. But if I can, if it's on the server, I can play it. Um, and we um, just in case I mentioned, you know, we do make you know we. We're with ASCAP BMI, so as long as it's in that catalog, it's fair game for us. Okay. Well, let's see. Um, I have a CD out. I don't know. It's on iTunes. It's in. It's with BMI. 
Um, it's the Lex Lang CD, pretty simple to remember, L-E-X-L-A-N-G. And there's a song called Home on that CD that is a really cool song. I like that one a lot. I will. Uh, I'll try and get that in or if it's okay. I Absolutely. Mean, put, any, put, put any of them that you want on there. There's another one called Casanova Kid and another one called Lolita. Those are the three pretty fun tunes on that album uh, that still hold up today. Um, and then let's see. My own personal liking. I I, I enjoy. Um, oh, I don't know if you knew this or not, but there's a, a show called Ruroni Kenshin. Yes. Uh, Sanosuke Sagara. Sagara. Yeah, I played his character, but I also sang the song Tactics at the end of the show. The I one that's like, When I first saw you looking at me, the look in your eyes made my heart scream. I remember, I, remember yeah. that song. Yes. Um, so that was me. I know I have the the original version, but I I'll see if I can track down the English version because a lot of those English versions yeah, play don't that. get don't get you know formally released, and I try to make sure my musical you know I don't want someone to come along and say, "Where did you get this from?" I want to be able to say, "I got it from iTunes. I yeah, got yeah. it from Amazon." So I have I'll it on YouTube also. I know that. I'll have to see. Um, and then Sandy, my wife, Sandy Fox is singing the song Freckles at the beginning of Ruroni Kenshin. I did not know A brush know against that. the freckles. Yeah, I know the song. I did not know that was her. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Now that, since I heard her voice earlier, now that you I... You put it together, right? Thinking, yeah, the wheels have to turn slowly. <laughs> um, before I get to the final couple of questions, I'm, I'm, I'm also keeping it paying oh, attention no for the door knock. Um, you and your wife, Sandy Fox, have done some humanitarian work as well. We have. Um... And I figured I, I, you know, that was worth asking about because uh, people who, you know, people who willingly give their time and, you know, energy to stuff like that, you know, those are the, in my opinion, the salt of the earth. Yeah. You know. Um, um, well, we, Sandy and I put together a nonprofit organization called the Love Planet Foundation. Uh, we thought of it in 1999, but I think we were officially a nonprofit in 2001. So it's been 15 years. And we do a lot. We, we work with Heal the Bay. We, we do projects with Heal the Bay. We do projects with the Emoto Peace Project. We help the indigenous people of, the, of North America with their water rights. Um, we work with the Hopi Indians. Um, we go into schools and we teach uh, children, usually like sixth grade and under, the importance of being aware of water and like um, just the trying to teach them a little bit about values and intentions and, and um, you know, world water awareness, you know, something as simple as like, how long do you stay in the shower and how many gallons is that and what does that look like, you know, and like you multiply that by your classroom and how much water is it. You know? Well, I mean, a lot of people don't realize it, but basically water is life. We can't live without water. We're seven, you know, the wa the earth is 70% water, although I suspect that's as, as declining. As are we, as are you know, we, yeah. And we have the same percentage of salt in our blood that the yeah. ocean does. So, I mean, there's that, you know, people say, how, how can you prove we came from an ocean? Well, we have all these, you know, like I said, it can't be coincidence. Yeah, yeah, But, yeah. no, I mean, I'm always in awe of people like that. Um, you know, I, I do, you know, I've done volunteer work. I used to um, volunteer at a youth center on post. And oh, I also, nice. I don't know if you're familiar with the American, since you work in schools, you may know America Reads, America Counts. Oh, yeah. yeah I was involved with that program for that, for, I, you know, it was, it, I enjoyed it. And um, so I've, you know, I've, I have respect for people who give their time oh, in cool. that way. Um, anyway, the last couple of questions. I'm still no knock, thankfully. Yeah, but take, take um, your time. Bro. I'm okay. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, Nothing I just. Um, 
Is there anything involving you coming up that you would like to tell our, our audience about? I know about NDAs and stuff, so if it's one of those, I tell you, but then I when, have to When does you. this actually air? Um, next I, couple of weeks? Sometime within the next couple of weeks. I'm, okay. try, I'm tr leaning towards, I want to do it the order I recorded it, but I'm also willing to shuffle things around depending on, you okay. know, what I'm told. Because, like I said, I want to make sure I'm doing right by the people I talk to, you know. So I have a couple announcements. Uh, one of them is um, the new Gundam... Iron-Blooded Orphans Season 2 I will be directing and I will also have a nice chunky part in that. I'm not allowed to say the part yet. That's but, fair enough. But I will be directing that show, uh, the voice actors in it. And then um, I am going to be I am playing uh, in Pokemon Generations. I'm playing a character named Maxi who is the uh, Magma team leader. So um, that's coming out next Friday. Yeah, I always told. I was always telling people, you know, if it's one of those, I tell you, but then I'd have to kill yeah. you. Don't tell me. Yeah, yeah, don't tell <laughs> you know, me. <laughs> you know, because uh, I, you know, like I said, I know, you know, you're not always at liberty to say. So I, I you know, I always make sure, you know, if something can't tell me, that's fine. Um, and you know, uh, I just came out with. Uh, I play Spyglass on Titanfall One and Two, which is a video game. Mm -hmm. And so when you hear your Titan say, "Your Titan is ready for launch," that's me. <laughs> As, as well as much. I think that's an stuff. MMO, I believe. I'm not mistaken. Might be, yeah. It's hard for me. Might I have be, trouble sitting down long enough to focus on, on MMOs. Yourself, I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, there's but, a lot of stuff going on on it. Yeah. You know, so that's that's happening, and I'm um, working on an album right now with another friend of mine. That's uh, an instrumental rock music album that'll be coming out next year, hopefully. Um, and then I'm on Facebook, you know, Lex Lang, and uh, at Lex Lang for Twitter, and so I try to keep. You know, in touch with the social media and make friends via that as well. Now, just out of curiosity, this instrumental rock, because um, uh, our station manager Kenny Pick, huge rock fan, huge, oh, yeah. you know, huge, you know, he does our drive time. So if he likes like Pink Floyd and Jeff Beck and you know things like that and a little bit of the Beatles, yeah. those are the kind. Would of this things. be so? This would be covered by ASCAP BMI. It would be BMI once we release. Okay. It. Well, I just want to make like some, I'm, I'm sure. As soon as we get it down, I'll send you a track. That would be uh, lovely. And like I said, I'll try and get some of the stuff in our rotation. Um, cool. Well, that is, all. is that all the questions? It's, yeah. I, unfortunately, I um, I will wait a minute. Let me double check because this is for Mr. Hattercore. I got I, at least I did. Uh, there we go. Well, when I started Star Trek Continues <laughs> with Vic, uh, it was a lot of fun. But you so know, that's one thing. One thing I've noticed about the voice acting community is they're very gifted ad libbing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you from what I've gathered, you know, we do I, a lot of improv and voice acting. You have to be prepared as an improv artist because of two things. One, sometimes you have to improvise right on the spot, mm -hmm. especially in loop groups. Uh, but two, you have to be prepared with starting from zero knowledge of what to do into acting something. So it helps to be able to riff a little bit. Well, speaking of riffing, you know, I got to ask since you brought it up. You in the Mystery Science Theater 3000 and all? <laughs> Just out of curiosity. I am I am in it enough to where, like, I would have a really good time being one of the guys commenting on a movie, you know? If, so if you, you're having a panel somewhere tonight, let me know. I'll, I'll come uh, No, I wish <laughs> I were because I think that could actually work. You know, mis you know, Mystery Science Theater on an anime movie. That would be hilarious. You know? Wouldn't it be great? Yeah, oh, yeah. We should do that. You know, uh, well, uh, I've, uh, I, you know, I, I may swing by and, and pitch the idea. Um, but make sure I'm, I do it with you, okay? Cause well, I, it couldn't be this year, but I will. For I'll, next I'll pitch, year, seriously. I'll pitch the idea I think I'll be here next year, too. Well, um, 
they do um, at San Diego, uh, not San Diego Comic Con, Emerald City Comic Con. They do. I don't know what the panel's called, but they've done the past couple of years readings from the Star Wars script and character. Yeah, yeah like, and I was going to pitch that idea to the wow, AWA. Christopher Walken. Yeah, yeah is exactly. Yoda. And I, think, and I think that could be a fun activity. I know it would be hard. Away, put your weapon. Mean you no harm. <laughs> Oh my! No. <laughs> that would be funny. That'd be funny, wouldn't it? I mean, I know it would be hard to co- to coordinate everyone's schedules. Like I said, I know you guys are really busy at these stuff, but I just think that the comedy payoff would be. I would do that anytime they'd want. So hey, people listening out there, if you're at a con and you want some really fun panels that are where we're goofing off and cross between mystery science and whose line is it anyway? <laughs> Let's yeah, do it. like I said, see, I can't do stand up. You give me a, something to bounce off of to react to. You know, I've You're done, better with that. I've done, uh, you know, the Street Fighter movie starring John Claude Van Damme. <laughs> uh, you know, just you know, and again for fun. You know, yeah, yeah. I've, I don't think I could do Hard Time on the Satellite of Love, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, uh, I know uh, Eric Kemmerer said he was a fan, and I know Todd Habercorn is a huge fan, and it seems like that's a common th- thread that runs. God, if the three of us were doing yeah. that together, can you imagine how hilarious that oh, would be? Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, Okay, we I should, have. We should make that I'm going to make it my personal mission to make that happen. We should, uh, you know, and then I'll get an immediate weekly made it happen. That's <laughs> right. That's so, right. But uh, I just want, I, you know, I do appreciate you taking the time to uh, sit down with me today. Um, I, the, the press people have been great, and um, it was just a genuine pleasure, and I do appreciate it. Everything. Uh, You're listening to Indie Media Weekly. I don't suppose you would let me use that, would you? Yeah, let me do it clean though. Um. Yeah, I'll spin it. You're listening to Indie Media Weekly. You're listening to the Indie Media Weekly Radio Network. And I'm Lex Lang. Thank you. <laughs> I would have never... See, and I would... That's it from us, Robits. We hope you've enjoyed this Best of Nerd Talk Volume 10. Just remember when we take over the world, Mike Check Radio will be the first thing to go. Until then, make sure to tune in to their live program every Saturday night, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Indie Media Weekly Radio. Your Robert overlords demand it. Now roll the damn ending so I can get the hell out of here. Time for go to bed. Right, it is late. Shall we retire? Goodbye, my friends. Goodbye to you all. I'll never forget you. Live in peace. Goodbye, all. Stay happy and good luck. On our way to great adventures. Get out of here. Worm. Push the button, Frank. Catch you next time, Gadget. Next time. Visitors, thank you for your attendance.